Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Eric. Hello, Ward. You're rocking the old school curved bill 1995 Indiana hat, roughly? Yeah, I think it might be a couple of years prior to that. But yeah, you're in the right area. Where did you get that hat? My closet. Oh, so this is one you've had all along? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is this is OG. Um, it probably made the trip out west more recently. I'd say three, probably three to four years ago when my dad was just sick of having my uh, entire bedroom still be basically preserved as it was in 1996. Sent a bunch of stuff out here with my sister, and I believe this was part of the booty that showed up. I like it, but uh, let's get down to brass tacks. We are, as always, powered by communitycards.com. You might sense a bit of a sober tone today, Ward, from what uh, how we intro our friends of community cars. And you know what? Buying a car is a sobering experience. It always costs a little bit more than you wanted it to. It always takes a little bit longer. It always seems a little bit harder. That's where community cars comes in. Communitycars.com make everything easier about the car. What they tell you it's going to cost is what it costs. What they tell you it's going to take to get it done is what it takes to get it done, and it's always easier than any other car buying experience you've ever had. Unless you're a jackass. If you're a jackass, it's going to go poorly for you, for sure. But so is life, so you're used to it. Yeah, and look, if you're a jackass, you're buying your car somewhere else, and that's why it's going terribly wrong. If you're not a jackass, if you're not a jackass, you'll buy your car at Community Cars. Absolutely. And any budget that you have for the car, they're going to find the car for your budget, period. That almost sounded like a slogan. Almost. Almost. I didn't quite nail it, but it's really the greatest thing about them is that it doesn't really matter what kind of car you're buying at what level. They will figure out a way to help you out and get you the car that you want to get for the right price. 
And they, of course, are huge Indiana fans. So what could be better than buying a car from not only fans of Indiana, but people that support Indiana athletics? They're part of the family. They employ people in Bloomington. They've been there forever. They're big supporters of NIL. They're big supporters of IU athletics proper. So go buy yourself a car, community cars. Do yourself a favor. Don't be a jackass. Uh, Ward, I just got back from a mini vacation. Welcome back. As you can tell, I'm super tan. You're you're so bronzed. <laughs> <laughs> Am I more pale than I was when I left? I mean, it's like you compare one white sheet of paper to another white pe- sheet of paper, and you're like, is that one slightly cream? Is this, has it got a cream tone in it? Um, but no, you're you're pasty as as you've ever been, my friend. Yeah, look, let me tell you something. I over the last five years have become terrified of the sun. Mm-hmm. I just have. Uh, I went to a dermatologist like five years ago and she was like looking at me like, what kind of idiot are you? You got sunspots all over. You're going to get skin cancer. Just wear a stupid hat. You you know, you got a bald head. You're just asking for the sun to kill you. So I have actually, for the first time in my life, taken a doctor's advice to heart and uh, went to Mexico with the family, the extended family, and had a great time. Followed Indiana sports as much as I could with shoddy reception and weak Wi-Fi, but was able to follow the Indiana women's basketball team today on my flights back to L.A. Just get smoked by Illinois on the road, which is not good and really sucks because it's leading right into the biggest game of the year. The Caitlin Clark's coming to Bloomington for a revenge game, for a game that could have been really instrumental in deciding the Big Ten Conference if Ohio State slips up. Um, But look, you know we're going to come out with the best that we have. It's going to be sold out. I just was hoping that it really could have been two teams tied in the conference for second place and, you know, really set us up to finish ahead of them in the conference. The best we can do now is bring them back to tie with us. Um, And then I don't know how tiebreakers work for the Big Ten tournament. But... Big game coming up this week, huge. I mean, just an absolute massive game for Indiana women's basketball to prove that what we saw at Iowa City was an aberration. Sydney Parrish came back a little, although I wasn't able to follow the game exactly. She did not play a lot. She didn't score. So obviously just getting back. I hope she didn't go out with an injury. I haven't been able to read anything. I literally just got back and now we're recording. So uh, hope she's back and better for Iowa. Um, But look, man. We're not going to fuck around today. Like, nobody wants to hear about my vacation. Nope. Nobody wants to hear about what you've been doing the last week. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I went to the Getty Villa today and looked at Greek antiquities. We shouldn't yeah. just two or three minutes on that? Go ahead, Ward. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. There was a lot of genitalia, okay? There's a lot of genitalia. Generally not circumcised. That's not how the Greeks roll. All right, what are we doing? I mean, what are we doing? When you said I got to tell you, I thought in some ways it was relating to Indiana. I thought you were going to be like, the Greek antiquities inspired this. I mean, it has as much to do with Indiana basketball as your trip to Mexico. That's why I'm not talking about it. Well, that's why I was joking about talking about it, and then you told me to go for it, so I saw an opening to talk about nuts. (laughs) I want to go back to Mexico. Um, Look. The bottom line is that everybody in the Indiana community is talking about one thing right now, and it's the state of Indiana basketball. It it, it seems like we have crossed the Rubicon, as it were. Um, 
I have tried to be optimistic our last several episodes, looking at the schedule. How many wins? How many wins you see right now on that schedule, Eric? How many you got? Well, first of all, you can just shove it up your ass. (laughs) That's first. And second, look, man, every game on the schedule is winnable. It's it's true. We're not we're not playing, you know, Kansas and Lawrence. But that, but that I'm glad you said that and didn't just like make a you know, sarcastic comment about like, well, anytime you play, it's a winnable game. No, we're not playing Purdue. We're not playing Wisconsin on the road. We're not playing Michigan State on the road. We're not playing Northwestern anymore. Um <laughs> We've got a bunch of games against shitty teams. We're playing Nebraska at home. They haven't won a road game yet this year. I mean, they have not won a road game this season. We play Minnesota on the road. Yes, they're better than us this I, year. I mean, I didn't really mean to get you started on all this again. You've okay. You, but- you, we we have talked ad nauseum about how we certainly could have a, a good team, a decent team, an average team, a team that showed up every other game could have maybe strung together a little run here at the end of the season. But it's it's not not only is that not happening, it's very much trending in the other direction of losing a bunch of games instead of winning a bunch of games. And before you and I just go back and forth on it, I figured let's actually do this with somebody who is reasonable, who does have his finger on the pulse of what's going on with Indiana basketball present and future, because as this season becomes more of a thing of the past, The only thing we can do is focus on the future. So let's get this gentleman who is, you know, let's just be honest. He's our favorite all-time guest. Uh Let's get him on. Let's chop it up and let's get right to it. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. I love saying hailing from the DMV. I just like (laughs) saying that. Hailing from the DMV. We are talking to a gentleman who is by trade a sports journalist he has covered the NBA. He has covered college basketball. He's covered the NFL by on some level, right? Yeah, for a little while. Yeah. yeah. We are talking to a gentleman who wrote for the Indianapolis Star before seeing the future, looking into his crystal ball, doing his best Karnak. There's a nice relevant reference for everybody. <laughs> when he realized that the internet and digital media was the future, he, of course, joined Pigs.com as a recruiting writer he then took over not that long ago as the publisher of Pigs.com. He is the best recruiting writer, sports journalist in the business. Ladies and gentlemen, we, are, of course, are talking to the reasonable one, DJ Jazzy Jeff Rabjohns. Wow. What an introduction. What an introduction. I say this all the time, but I, gotta, I should hire you guys to be my agents. That's what I should do. That's very kind. How are you guys doing? We're not good. We're, no, not we're, good. Not we're not good. That's, that's the appropriate answer right now. All right. That, so, Rabbi, well, I, just, I don't know if you made it clear with Rabbi. So I wanted to make it clear with Rabbi that you are here for one reason and one reason only. And that's talk to talk about the Indiana Pacers and how things have been going with the All-Star weekend <laughs> and how much fun it's been to have the basketball world up in Indianapolis. I'm sure you've just been loving that. Well, I know nobody cares, but a one I actually have because most of the time I have to go to wherever the big events are and the basketball world came to my city. Uh, there were so many people up and down the ladder, all kinds of levels of people. So it was, uh, 
The only, the only negative thing for, for me was there were so many people that I know who are in town and because they, they're coming to my city, <clears throat> I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up the tab this time. You guys go to such mm. and such place. I'll buy the, that, that was a dumb thing to say. That was really, really <laughs> dumb. I know, there was one bar, bar tab I looked at and went, oh, wow, okay. Well, maybe we'll uh, make the mortgage payment this month. Maybe not. But, but no, it has been a lot of fun. And I know you were just joking. So we'll move on with what's relevant. Well, wait, well, wait, we start with joking about this subject, Robbie, but actually it's quite sincere. And it's it's in a, such a dark time for Indiana basketball fans. This is the Indiana basketball that we actually find some real joy and solace in right now. His name's Tyrese Halliburton, and he's he's leading what is going to be the best era of Pacers basketball since Reggie Miller. Wow. Mm. Well, that's, that's not... That's not like okay. I mean, I mean they, they did. Go, no, I agree. They did go to I agree. It just finals a couple times after Reggie. So thank same you, Rabbi. Thank you, know. you Rabbi. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Pacer fans are mad at how Paul George left, but before that, you know, he he and the Pacers were actually winning playoff games. They were winning playoff series. There was a stretch there where they were they were playing good basketball. Well, and let's you know, look, it's history being the great uh well the revisionist history of paul george leaving it's not nearly as bad people don't hate him nearly as much since the way victor left honestly like victor is the one that now everybody really vilifies in the way they did it and be like you know hey paul he kind of wanted he kind of wanted to make it work here he really did but they weren't willing to bring in anybody else around him so so that's a little that that has thawed a little bit Plus, there's sure. a lot of talk that Paul George is going to come back now. There's like a lot of buzz that that he kind of wants to come back and sign with Indiana in the offseason. He's a he's a a free agent, correct, Rabbi? Isn't there some buzz about that? I don't think so. I don't think oh. that he's a, he's a, he's a SoCal kid, dude. He's a SoCal kid. I know, but I SoCal. thought I did read that there was some interest there. I saw wow. that as well, Eric. I don't I don't know if there's any. The, the one the one thing real. I'll throw out on that is this. This is a phrase I really like, and I'm borrowing it from a friend. Not all chatter matters. Okay? Not all chatter matters. So okay. Some people are just That's floating right. things out. I wouldn't be surprised if Paul George returned. I mean, it'd be a great thing for Indiana. Um, I think I think he could pair well with what you got. But I don't think – if you were actually had interest in Paul George, why do you get uh, uh, Siakam? You know, I, I just – then then you end up with three guys who all kind of need – you know, two of the three work together. All three, eh, I think, gets a little clunky. But anyway, I digress. Was, was Halliburton screwed out of the MVP award of the All Star Game? I, I was unable to watch it. I just was reading some stuff online. Did that happen, or did did he not deserve it? I mean, one. Okay, we're being very very liberal with the word game. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is not a competitive event. It's a showcase event, which is fine. I know some people hate it. I don't care. If you hate it, then you hate it. I have no interest in trying to tell anybody what to like or not like. As far as sports go, watch whatever the hell you want to watch. But um, as far as who played the best, I thought you could have made a pretty clear case for Halliburton. I really did. And I thought, you know, okay, local guy, you know, playing in his hometown, you know, where where he plays, hometown from an NBA roster standpoint. You know, I thought, ah, you know, I, I wouldn't leave Halliburton, but I don't. Who wins or loses NBA All Star Game MVPs? I mean, you talk about peripheral issues, man. That's 
that's way out there. I, I, I don't want to get lost in this, but I do remember growing up, the All-Star game was important. I mean, it felt important to the people who played in it. They felt like big moments. Winning the All-Star MVP was a bigger deal. They they were competing for pride. Michael Jordan wanted to win every All-Star game he played in. You know, Barkley wanted mm-hmm. to win. Uh, Kobe wanted to win, even a little later. I, I do Larry think Bird that... Larry Bird wanted to win. Larry Bird <laughs> wanted to win. Yeah, for sure. I do think that... The era of, you know, the players kind of all being more in this fraternity together where they're all friends and they vacation together and it's just more friendly has led to the all-star game just being let's just give our friends 30 shots and have fun and not really compete. Mm -hmm. But we could do that on a different podcast. Let's talk about Indiana University men's basketball. And Rabbi, we're going to try to stay organized here. So the first thing we want to talk about is how bad is it? Because if you peruse social media or the pigs.com premium message board, which everyone should sign up for, and if you're watching this, you're obviously a member, so being on the boards is a good way to connect with everybody. But it seems awful. Like (laughs) horse shit awful right now. And what we want to talk to you about is how much of that is a buildup of 25 years of yuck. And how much is it that this team really is terrible and underperforming at a level that we haven't seen in some time. So I'm just going to start the conversation off with that and ask you the simple question, how bad is Indiana basketball in 2023-24? They're they're playing bad basketball. They're playing very, very bad basketball. And they're getting bad results, Um, historically bad results. Swept by Purdue by 20 points or more in both regular season games for the first time since the 1930s. IU has lost four in a row to Northwestern for the first time since the 1930s. IU... um, uh, you know, they're, they're like two and 11 or something like that. Um, and Eric, you might've actually posted that. I was pulling up some things and I saw that you already posted that. I think it was like two and 11 against Northwestern Penn state and Nebraska. In no, the Rutgers, last few years. Rutgers, 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 I'm sorry, Rutgers. Um, they are sitting there at sub 500 in the big 10 in a year when the big 10 is down, down observably and down based upon the metrics. Uh, Indiana is sitting there at, you know, just abysmal analytical numbers. Uh, 322nd in the country in three-point rate. Not 122nd. <laughs> not 222nd. 322nd. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to just totally dispirit people here with bad number after bad number after bad number. But so many things are at levels that they haven't been or, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're at a point to where the performance is bad. And you look at not only do they have a losing record in the Big Ten, um, they've got a losing record against Power Five teams that they played. They've got multiple games where they were not competitive. Neutral court against UConn, lose by 20. Neutral court against Auburn, lose by 28. Um, Multiple other games where they have lost by double figures. And then people watch the play, and you see IU's not even blocking out against Northwestern. Nothing against Nicholson. Kid tries hard. No way that kid ought to be going inside, getting multiple offensive rebound after offensive rebound in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Um, 
people look at the shooting numbers, the individuals, team. Uh, it's not just the percentages, but the number of times IU doesn't even get at least 12 three-point attempts up. Excuse me. And even sometimes when they do, uh, there's been two or three threes attempted very late in, in a clear chase situation. You're down 10 plus, you're down double figures, so fire your guns. Okay, you got nothing to lose. Um, yeah, we're really we're really good at that, by the way. We're really good. I wish I wish somebody could look up our stats. What is our three-point percentage the last four minutes of games? Because I bet it's well into the 40s. We hit shots when the games are largely Decided. out of out of out of reach. Yeah, yeah. That, and that that's why that's why you know that's why we came up with the phrase cosmetically close. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes final score. No, you lost by more than that. You just closed the gap at the end. Um, even so, some it, of those it, games, it, Rabbi, that you mentioned the 20 point different differentials, even some of those games were cosmetically close. If you can be cosmetically close losing by 15 or 20, we were, I mean, there were, I mean, they're, they're just teams that just start the Purdue game at Purdue. They were just fucking with us. I mean, Zach Eady was shooting a three pointer. Like they were yeah. just fucking with us at the end of that game and just having fun. They were up. I think they were up 24. Um, Might've been a little more. I think at one point they were up 24 and then it was kind of like, okay, Painter's looking down his bench. Like, uh, have you played? Have you played? Uh, you know, I think at one point in time, I was, I was actually looking right across the court and, I, and, he, and he turned to one of his assistants. And I think he actually said, has so-and-so been in, I didn't watch the last couple plays or something like that, you know? Jesus. And, but anyway, um, I'm not too sure exactly what the conversation was, but it looked like that from afar, something along those lines, but the, the product is bad. Um, the play is bad. Um, and I'll let you steer where we're going to go on the whys, but there are, there are many reasons, but it's just, it's a, it's a bad product on the floor and there are bad results uh, that are going in the win loss column for Indiana. I, I mean, I think, guess... think about it like this, like I, they're not even projected to make the NIT right now, or at, least, at least what I saw this morning. Uh, they're not projected to make the NIT. So is not only are they rule, not. Is it a rule anymore that you have to be 500 in your conference to make the NIT, or is that gone? I don't know what the rule is, but I know uh, there are ways out of the NIT, even if you get selected and don't want to play, because North Carolina was selected to play last year, and they said no. So um, okay. I don't mean we can get into that later. If I'm IU, I don't even mess with the NIT. No, no chance. Don't even mess with because if you know it's humiliating. Well, not only that, if let's say everything, let's say no coaching changes. Okay, let's just just for the sake of you know semantics here and planning, you you need to go in the portal as soon as possible. You need to you need to be just getting next year's roster set. It's not like your core. It's not like there's a bunch of freshmen and sophomores who are kind of like improving and coming, and you know the core is there and playing some you know, winner-go-home games would help a young core. I mean, they're going to have to remake the roster. So you need to get into, get into the portal as soon as possible. Running, and and even, even if they make the NIT, they're going to be on the road. So you're going to say, okay, instead of spending time working on the portal, we're going to be practicing for this game. We're going to be preparing for this game. We're going to be traveling to the airport. Then we're going to fly to this city. Then we're going to go to this hotel. Then we're going to go to this shoot-around. I ain't got Jack to do it next year. It would be an enormous waste of everybody's Great time. Great point. Even, Great point. Even if they make it, just say thank you, no thanks, and get your butts in the portal and figure some stuff out. Rabbi, you've seen a lot of basketball. Have you and, – and I guess – to sort of guess where this answer is. It's not unprecedented that teams with with a lot of talent look at Kentucky in recent years. 
fall short of what their talent would indicate they were capable of doing. For us at Indiana Basketball, I cannot remember if ever there's a time we had three five-star talents on our roster, none of which are doing terribly. You know, I mean, we've seen marked improvement from Khalil's freshman year to this year. We've seen McKenzie get better during the course of this year, certainly at times and in flashes and overall. And then Malik, without question, has taken a huge step forward from where he was as a freshman. A lot of that's playing time, but it's also experience. So how in the hell do we have three five-star talents, which I don't know, I haven't looked at Michigan lately, but I'm guessing that's more than anybody else in the league, in the conference. How, how do you have that much talent and yet be staring at what is easily going to be the worst IU team at the end of the day, at the end of the season since like Crean's first or second year? Yeah, um, that's a good point about the talent, and you're, you're right. The three best players actually have the best impact analytics, not counting stats. When you actually look at impact analytics, number one, Kalel Ware, number two, Malik Renew, number three, McKenzie Mbaco. Okay, so the good players are doing what they are supposed to be doing. The biggest problem that I think in the play on the court is is uh, a lack of guard play, lack of scoring from the wing. Um, Xavier Johnson being out hurts. But even when he was healthy, they were not competitive against UConn. The gap between UConn and Indiana is massive as the two programs are playing a game of basketball right now. Uh, so backcourt play is a big problem. Xavier's out. You don't have anybody right now without with Xavier out. You don't have anybody else on your team who can really turn the corner on a ball screen and get into the paint. That's not Gabe Cups' game. It's never been Gabe Cups' game. Um, you know, I know sometimes people on social media start screaming at the poor freshman. It ain't his fault. Okay, that if you know, you, you can't take a freshman round peg and hammer him into a square hole. It doesn't work. Scheme matters, um, and and ability matters as well. And 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 you know, experience matters to a degree too. But Jalen Hutchfino was a, a first round draft pick, and he was six foot five, and he could turn the corner on the ball screen. He could get downhill. He was fantastic at making making reads in the ball screen, and and he had that pull up game. And so you look at IU's backcourt and, you know, Gabe Cups and, and, and Trey Galloway, you know, they're just not, you know, the level of talent that you need in the backcourt uh, to win at a high national level. Um, and that's not to disparage them at all. You know, they're backups, no problem. But um, Indiana winning the portal and they got guys like Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker. What exactly did you think Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker were going to do as far as impact winning at the highest level. Anthony Walker was a, a role player on a good Miami team last year. He was a role player for a reason. Peyton Sparks was solid for Michael Lewis up in Ball State, but just solid. And that's a MAC team. You're playing against MAC opponents. You're playing against MAC size. You're playing against MAC athleticism. Very, very different. So, you know, I think the biggest problem that Indiana has right now from a roster construction standpoint is they don't have enough impact guards and wings. Look at some of the guards. Like, let's just look at there's lots of guys you can look at. Kind of keep it to a couple of IU opponents just for fan base to maybe have some familiarity. Think about the Auburn guards, what they were able to do. Get up and down the court, create shots, get into the paint, hit threes, hit threes on pin downs, hit threes on curl screens, hit threes off the dribble. They were dynamic playmakers who could also shoot and slash. Now, not every guy can shoot and slash at the same ability. 
maybe one guy's better shooter, one guy might be a better slasher, but they have dynamic guards who can go get you points. Indiana does not have enough at all, and I don't even know if they have any right now, dynamic guards who can go regularly get you points. You know, Trey Galloway's had some wonderful moments. Played his tail off against Kansas. Um, you know, he's had other games where he's been really good. Um, but, like, you can't ask somebody who's not at a certain level of talent <clears throat> to go out and get you 15 to 18 every night. There's a reason there are some guys who can do that, and there are reason other guys go out, and they have the Rob Finnessy moment. Rob Finnessy had a great game against Purdue. Should be celebrated for that, should enjoy it. It was a great moment. But that's that all 80-20 thing, you know. A lot of players, you know, 80% of the time you are who you are. 10% of the time you're going to suck. Maybe 10% of the time you're going to be great. But 80% of the time, that's who you are. And in the end, the, 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 the guards and wings just aren't good enough. And then the other thing is, you know, you look at Mike Woodson's propensity to run action that gets mid-range jumpers, and that's just not ideal. The analytics have shown that for guys, I don't know, damn near two decades now. That, that long twos are terrible shots because the percentage chance you make a long two isn't much different than the percentage chance you make a three. And obviously three, it's 50% more than two. That's just basic addition and subtraction. So those are some of the things that I think are playing into what is happening overall. Now, I know people will point to little things like, IU didn't box out against Northwestern. Yes, agree. We all saw that. Everybody saw that. Happened on, everybody watching on TV saw it. Everybody in Simon Scott Assembly Hall saw it. <clears throat> but those aren't big picture things. Those are more, you know, the microscope, microscope type things. Pull the lens back. I think roster construction, lack of dynamic guards, and, and, and a scheme that lends itself to allowing or even sometimes encouraging long twos. Those are the things that I think, you know, are the problems this year. And those are the things that moving forward have to get adjusted. They have to get adjusted. I think it is obviously an issue when you go up against Auburn and UConn and a lot of these elite programs with elite athletes, uh, elite talent, especially in the backcourt. But it still just really befuddles me against mediocre teams with mediocre talent, which is largely what populates the Big Ten this year, that when we have this caliber of talent in our front court, that we can't scheme it up that with the experience with the Gallo and even with Leal coming in and being able to do some stuff and with Gabe, that we can't at least utilize those guys around the talent we do have to do more than we have. And I think that's that's really whereas with the roster construction, this team was always going to be pretty hamstrung. But to see it to get to this point where we're going up against teams that really we should be able to dominate in some ways if we just – if we were just scheming it up the right way. And I think part of what a lot of us were relieved to hear from you, Rabbi and Trevor, uh, along with Jared, after this Northwestern game is we had a week plus to figure mm -hmm. out how to take out Northwestern, okay? And I know everybody on the pigs board right now thinks Chris Collins is the next Coach K because he's got Northwestern at 12 and 8. But at the end of the day, like, and Boo Booey was a non-factor, and we still lost to Northwestern at home. It's and, and Ty Berry and didn't, the, Ty, and, yeah, Ty 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 didn't Berry. play. Right. Ty Berry doesn't play. Boo Booey starts 0 for 8, and you lose at home to Northwestern. That's bad, bad, bad basketball, my friends. Yeah, just to put a little bit more color on it, I did some 
statistical digging are I was looking at Bartorvik. You can pick Bartorvik or Ken Palm at this point in the season. They're basically the same. You know, I mean, there's some differences here and there, but I don't think there's a big range of difference between the two. But in Bartorvik, we're ranked 91st overall, which we have not been this low since Crean's second season. And I do think that's important because Crean's third season, we were 3-15 and 15 in the Big Ten. And that was better <clears throat> than the second season. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's how bad. The offense is ranked 102nd in the country this year. That offense is worse than any of Archie's teams, any of them. And then Archie's offense was terrible. <laughs> it was, I mean, that was that was part of what made that era so depressing was was four years of seeing somebody like Romeo Langford, five-star talent. Just basically, I mean, look, we we all saw that Romeo somehow still was able to get 16 or 17 a game because of how talented he was, but it wasn't because of what was going on around him. Eric. Are you okay? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I had to just go get some water. I don't know what's going on. But the defense is ranked 91st, which is worse since Creams last year. <clears throat> so all of Archie's teams had a better defense. I guess what the reason I bring that stuff up is to say, of course you're right, Rabbi. It's We don't have guards. We don't have wings. But I was listening to the Woody radio show tonight where he blamed the loss against Northwestern on free throw shooting, right? That's what he said. It was free throw shooting. That was the difference in the game. When you have a bad basketball team, it's never one thing. I remember yeah. in the Archie years, it was like, man, we would have the same conversation if we could just have a game where we hit eight threes, right? If we just had that one game, if we just got our three-point percentage, two percentage points higher, we would win a bunch of games. And then we would have a great shooting night, but the defense would shit the bed. Or we would have a high turnover game with good shooting. Mm -hmm. When you are a bad basketball team, there are too many holes in the dam. And as you plug one up, another one springs loose. And that's what it feels like this team. Of course you're right, it's the roster construction and that we don't have the guards and we don't have the three point shooting and we don't shoot enough threes and we're bad free throw shooters, but we also have the 91st ranked defense in the country that has nothing to do with dynamic offensive guards mm -hmm. that has mm -hmm. nothing to do with three point rate. So we can talk about that, but it's not like we've got, I mean, I'll just use this as an example. UCLA has a terrible offense this year. They lost all of their offensive production from last year but they're ranked like 30th in the country in defense. So they still have a really good defense. We don't. We're bad on both sides of the ball. So you could fix the offense, but the defense still sucks. I mean, you're still giving up mid-70s in points to Northwestern on your home court. We've given up big point totals and really efficient offense. Uh, we've given up. Our defense has allowed offenses to be extremely efficient against us, whether it's on the road or at home. Mm -hmm. There is something bigger, in, in my estimation, at play here. It's just broken. And I don't know why it's broken. Like Ward said, and you said, those three players, Khalil Ware is as impactful on both sides of the ball as you could hope for. 
right? I mm-hmm. mean, the guy had like 25 points and 15 rebounds in against Northwestern. He's averaging damn near close to a double-double a game. Um, Malik has had a big step forward. Malik has struggled in the last six or so games. So he's had a couple big games, but he's falling out four of the last six games. He has taken mm-hmm. a step back recently. But there just seems to be something broken as a team. And I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I am. I listened to Dan Dockich, and I know how we all feel about Dan Dockich, but the guy does have knowledge when it comes to basketball. And he was talking about how, like, why, you know, the beginning of the Purdue game, the first four or five minutes, we looked awesome. Our Mm -hmm. offense looked awesome. They were moving the ball. We were getting good looks at at the rim out of the half court. Looked really good. But, of course, we couldn't sustain it. We've seen that. And he said, well, this is what happens with bad teams. Bad teams, that's not who you are. So, yes, you can do that in spurts, but you can't do it over 40 minutes because you don't have anything to rely on. That's not who you are. So while it might work for a little bit, you don't have the stuff to continue that, even when it's not working well, to just grind through it. We don't, and and we've seen that over and over again. We don't have anything to rely on. And I just look at the whole thing and I go, something is fundamentally broken about this team. And I guess my question to you is, do you think that that really is fixable through just roster construction? No, no. That's what I mean. Schematically, you have to make adjustments. Okay. They they have they have to make some schematic adjustments. The idea of running pin down screens to get an eighteen foot jumper for McKenzie and Baco is ridiculous. Run a pin down to get a three for McKenzie and Baco. Um, and so many other things like the, the the first four possessions of that Purdue game, IU actually ran four out and one and one time they ran five out. Good offense. No, so for some reason they decided, you know what, this is working. Let's stop doing this. They're like what? What is going on? And they reverted back to bad habits. They have eight days off before going to play Northwestern. And you think, okay, they will probably have looked at tape and said, hey, you know, we had some things that just worked against a top five team in the country on the road. Instead of doing that for four minutes, let's do it for 40. Oh, same old stuff. There was time they were trying to get post-ups from Malik, and they had four offensive players below the free throw line. Where, where do you expect to create space? You got four of your own players below the free throw line. And they turn around and drag what? Four defenders below the free throw line. You got eight dudes, some of whom are rather large human beings, below the free throw line, and you're trying to jam the ball in the post. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. So schematically, some things absolutely have to change. And, and there are some things you can do. There are some things that like, you know, Colorado State does, and everybody knows I like Nico Medved's offense. There's stuff that he does. He doesn't have five stars, but he's got some guys who can shoot and he runs really good stuff and get them shot. There's some things that Northwestern runs that Indiana could run. You know, I mean, Boo Boo is better than any healthy IU guards right now. Uh, Ty Berry probably is too. But there are some things that they run that Indiana could run. There are some things you can adjust. And so I think stylistically things have to adjust. Um, but you made a really good point, though. Like it, when you're a bad team, it's not one thing that's wrong. It's like that old famous Mike Ditka quote when he was asked, what's wrong with the defense? And he said, it's not one thing. It's many things, and that applies to bad college basketball teams as well because it's different things. I mean, I think everybody remembers, you know, Ryan Curry, you know, the kid from Army. 
Didn't score Pushed a point us. the first the, the game they played before playing against IU. Kid comes out and scores twenty points because you don't defend him. You know, you're trying you're trying to defend them trying to drive down the middle of the lane coming across the free throw line. That wasn't what they were hunting. They were dribbling toward that area because in nail slot rim, you pinch from the wing. So they told Ryan, hey, go stand over there in the wing. Just stand there. We're going to dribble toward the middle. Indiana's going to collapse. We're going to throw it to you. Okay. Catch, shoot, three. Catch, shoot, three. It was like, why are you leaving him? What are you doing? And, and I just let the kid shoot the whole game. It was, right. it was unbelievable. And by the way, that 20 points he scored, career high for the kid. Career high. So yeah. it, we're, we're good it, at that. You know, we're good at that. Let's, uh, I mean, it, it, so it's like, yeah, schematically, there are things you, you that just I think really need to adjust. Offensively, there are things you need to adjust. <clears throat> I will give you the idea of mid range jumpers. When you have somebody as good as Jalen Petrofino and you're facing a team like Purdue that is going to put Zach Eady in drop coverage every possession he's on the floor, and you know Fino's going to be able to get that 15, 16 footer, and you're not sure if you're going to be able to score very well at all in the post against a guy like Zach Eady. Situational specific things you know, can come into play. But that's not a concept that works over the course of multiple seasons or over the course of a season. The the teams, and you can look, you know, look this up now for years. You look at the teams that advance in the NCAA tournament. Dynamic guard play, have to be able to get points from the guards. Most of the time are very capable three-point shooters. You don't have to make threes in every single NCAA tournament game, but you need to have the capability to be explosive from three and go on a run. And if you can't do that, it's really difficult to have a significant NCAA tournament run. What about transition? You said something after the Northwestern game about how lackadaisical we were most of the time bringing up the ball up the court. What is that about? Is that just a mindset or or, or a lack of a mindset? Like, to me, the, the least talented players in the country – could at least go as fast as humanly possible mm-hmm. to the other end of the court. Like that, that does not require talent. That requires a mindset, a discipline, and a will to do it. Is is there anything besides, oh, the the coaches aren't telling them to do it, or the players are just absolutely not listening to the coaches? Like, why wouldn't they do that when clearly their offense responds well statistically from, from the analytics when they get the ball up the court faster? Hundred percent. There is no reason for this current this IU roster right now to be walking the ball up the court. There's none. That they need to be. If it's a made basket, as soon as the basket's made, three guys need to be sprinting to the offensive end, <clears throat> and then let the other two guys. Somebody inbound it. Um, let the one guard bring it up. If you're getting pressed, okay, fine. Have a couple press breaks in there. But Indiana is better when they play with pace. And when there were thirty some minutes of that Northwestern game, maybe a little more than thirty. It looks like they're just sort of walking up the court, you know, okay, you know. I mean, well, they looked like they were out for a Sunday stroll at times. And it was like, what, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, like very late, they, they, they play with pace. And it's like, okay, why not do this for 40 minutes? It gives you a better chance to win. And you're, you're there. And, and, like, are you hearing anybody from the bench telling them to hurry up and get the ball up the court? Or is this is this just like these kids are doing it this way because nobody's telling them anything different? Well, I, I think there were a couple of times I thought Calvert Chaney was maybe going to blow a gasket. Um, 
and just in, in general and maybe on a player. I wasn't too sure, but Calber was exasperated, clearly. Um, and there's an old saying in coaching, especially in co- among college coaches, when you get to mid- mid-February, your team and your players are what you have allowed them to become. Unless you've had like major injuries and things just absolutely went high, haywire. But you've had them all summer. You had them all fall. You had them in preseason workouts. You had them in November. You had them in December. You had them in January. So by mid-February, you are what you've allowed your players to be. So some of this is not <clears> – <throat> some of it's on the players, but some of this is also on Mike Woodson for allowing this to be what it is. You can change. You can demand, hey, we're going to sprint up the court. If you don't, you're going to come sit next to me, okay? You know, you put in rules. This is what you're going to do. Like, players are going to make mistakes. They're going to miss shots. They're going to have bad pass. But that's not, that's not an effort thing, you know? Effort should be effort is completely controllable and should be demanded. And Indiana is far better when they play with pace, so they should play with pace. And and why Woody had it hasn't demanded that they play with pace is is one of the questions of the season for IU, uh, especially when you've got a guy like you know uh, like Chloe Ware who's whose lob game is fantastic. You know sometimes it's a good idea just throw the ball up in the air near the rim of Chloe somewhere close. He's going to have a chance to grab it, dunk it. Um, why they create congestion by bringing two guys to the same space is something I do not understand. And I've even asked some people, I've asked some NBA scouts about it. Uh, there were, there were several of my friends who were NBA scouts who were at the Ohio state game. And they actually asked me like, why does IU have two guys like block and block or what exactly are they doing with two people, you know, low in the lane, low near the lane? Like, guys, I don't know. I'm like, uh, Mike Woodson standing, you know, 20 feet, walk across the court and ask him, you know, uh, but some of this stuff is, is schematically certainly is, is worth uh, discussing. And, and it is very, I think it's really questionable in 2024. Some of the stuff that they do in 2024, guys, it just doesn't make any daggum sense. Look, you, you started by talking about roster construction and individual players makes a lot of sense. You backed up from that and talked about schematics, which I do understand. I still think that there is another layer to this that is an intangible that is just really hard to pin down. It's hard to come up with the why, and it's hard to come up with the how. But Ward, you talked about, you know, just why are they not running faster? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, why are they not diving on the floor? It seems as much as other teams. Why is there not a toughness to this team that we see in the teams that we play against? Why is there not a cohesive unit that we see with other teams? Why is there no joy of playing like you see an emotion? When we see emotion, I feel like almost all of the emotion, except for maybe Trey Galloway a couple times, I feel like almost all of the emotion has been negative emotion. It's Malik getting a technical. It's Xavier with a flagrant foul. It's with the bench getting technical fouls for, you know, being pissed off. It, it It's just... There is an intangible thing about accountability and effort and leadership and cohesion that doesn't exist in this version of Indiana basketball. And it, to me, is the biggest thing that makes it so hard to watch because I think we can stomach missed shots if it looks like you've got a unit out there that is going to war for Indiana. And... It doesn't feel that way. And I'm never really one to question effort because I always hate when I hear people like the other team just wanted it more. Well, no, sometimes they just all want it. 
and the other team made more shots and just was better at basketball than the other team. Like, I feel like it's just such an easy cop-out to say. Um, and you, you cherry-pick things like, oh, Khalil didn't dive on the floor this one time when Edie did. That becomes a microcosm that everybody globs onto and uses as a case study, whether it's accurate or not. But taking it all in, you know, I mean, just to throw some more stats at you, Rabbi, I looked at the first, Woody has coached 54 Big Ten games. Archie, he is 27 and 27 in his 54 Big Ten games. He's 500. Archie Miller in his first 54 games was 25 and 29. He was two games off. Tom Crean, I didn't count the first two seasons because I think we all know those were miserable, but I did count the third season. So Tom's third season, 54 games after that, he was 28 and 26, and that includes a 3 and 15 season. So you look at the last three coaches, and it's worse than Crean and basically the same as Archie. It's just mediocre. It's just, it's 27 and 27. You, all right. Who was it? Was it, you are Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are, right? You're 27 and 27. There is a mediocrity that is pervasive in Indiana basketball for multiple years, but for the first 54 games in the big 10 of this era. And I just don't think it's about, Player, I don't think it's about recruiting. I don't think it's about roster construction. I don't think it's about schematic only. I think it's about all of those things, of course. And then another layer on top of just getting kids to buy into something bigger than themselves. That doesn't seem to have happened. And I I know that's an intangible, but do you have any reaction to that? I I think it's a good point. And it's one of those things that it's hard to, take your finger and say, this is why it's, it's really difficult. Um, I, I remember that there's a, there's a great moment when Michigan state won the national championship in 2000, but halftime walking off the court, uh, um, uh, they're, uh, uh, blank. What's his name? Mateen Cleves, their point guard. He's MF and a couple of his teammates up one side, down the other. He just light them up at that point in time. Mateen Cleves hadn't made a single shot. Okay. <laughs> he hadn't made a shot. So it's like you would think maybe it was the other way. No, it was Mateen going, we getting into his guys. This is what we need from you, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, this is really important. And it wasn't just that it was a title game. Because later on, Mateen talked about it and said, hey, man, that wasn't, that was us. No, we held each other accountable. It was about playing to a certain standard, regardless of what was going on, regardless of whether you were making shots. It was about playing to a certain standard and holding each other accountable, holding yourself accountable. He's like, trust me, we got back in the locker room. They jumped my ass too which is what's supposed to happen. And that's maybe just one example of kind of how this thing is supposed to be, how it's the feel of it, the energy of it, the focus of it, the intensity of it, the accountability of it. You know, when you you have players who really are fully, fully, fully bought in and coaches who are fully bought in and everybody is, pulling the rope the same direction with everything they have, whether the other team's trying about to pull you into the mud or not, everybody's got their hands on the rope. Everybody's pulling as hard as they can. And there are sometimes when you watch how you play, and even sometimes when you look at the bench, you're kind of like, does everybody understand how significant this is? This is Indiana basketball, okay? This isn't some YMCA team. This ain't D3. No offense to D3. 
uh, you know, but this is Indiana. This is an enormous enterprise that is unbelievably significant to other people, to, to people who have watched this game, who have grown up watching it with their dads and their grandfathers and their mothers and their cousins. This is a cultural thing that is of significance to many, many, many people. And sometimes you look at what's going on on the court and what's going on on the bench, and you, you want to see more urgency. You want to see just more passion toward play and playing hard and, and it mattering and every possession mattering. Again, these are college basketball players. They're going to make mistakes. Okay? Of course. Nobody is going to kill players if they make mistakes, especially if there is a full-throated effort. If IU fans, if IU loses a game and fans walk out going, man, those kids left everything on their floor. I'm disappointed, but damn, they played hard. That's a very different feeling than what I'm hearing from a lot of the fan base right now. A lot of the fan base is very frustrated, not just with the record, not just with the stats. I mean, we've kind of gone into some of the analytics here. I don't know that every fan cares much about the analytics, and I understand that. They want to see their team win. But as much as they want to see their team win, they want to see passion from their team. They want to see smart play. They want to see smart schemes. They want to see hustle. They want to see attitude. They want to see just a absolute unbridled playing with passion. And reading the board, talking to, shoot, just looking at my phone. I mean, within 10 minutes of the Northwestern game ending, I got a text from 67 people. You know, and I was like, I, I get it. I, you know, I understand why people are upset. I understand why they're frustrated. But there is something intangible that you look at the product on the floor for much of the game. I'm sorry, for much of the season, most of the game. And you're just kind of like, is this really a full-throated effort on, on a consistent basis? You know, there have been good moments, no doubt. Yeah, um, and, well, and especially when wonder, things are going right. That's the problem. It's like they need things to go right for them to seem like that team. But that that's not a team. I mean, that's just going through the motions. No, and I think uh, another thing that I think worries me on this topic, sorry for interrupting you there, but like, yeah, you don't know, ever do it again. Game. Don't ever do it again. Don't ever do it again. Uh, uh, you know, post game, like Woody points to like, well, this player was awful. Or yeah. he says, yeah, uh, it was just about free throw shooting. We make free throws. We win. It's like you're pointing at like little things. And if it's just, oh, the, this guy needs to play better or that guy has to play better. It's, there's just something about that where you're like, wait a minute. There's more to it than just did your individual stars play well, you know? And it's like some of those comments, you're like, man, I don't know. I just, you just wonder what the overall philosophy really is. If the only solution is get better players and have them play great most of the time. Yeah. I I also, but I do want to say this about that. Like, I think people forget Bob Knight would, go nuts on his players in press conferences. I mean, Bob Knight was known for going off on Steve Alford, you know, in the 87 championship year, a game against Northwestern that Indiana ended up winning. But he said Alford was terrible. He did it in the press conference. But the difference is... Yeah, that's that famous press conference out in the hallway. Yes, Alford was horrendous tonight. He's supposed to be a leader, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But that's different than saying, oh, we would have won if so-and-so just would have played better. I agree. And, I and agree. Knight also had hung a couple of those interesting things. I think they call them banners. Okay. <laughs> fair enough, man. That's a that's a fair point. I I think 
there's something to be said here uh, that Eric may step in and say, we're, we're not going there, cut this part out, and I'm not going to get real specific about it, but we all know that things aren't great in this program. Whether you want to talk about the players or the staff, like it's not one big happy family back there that all love each other and are rowing in the same direction. Like we are seeing on the court the result of something that's going on behind the scenes that is not harmonious. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into specifics there, but but we've seen some of it play out. Like, I mean, look, we know Xavier's gotten in trouble. We, you know, we know there's been that. Like, for sure, there's been issues there. Um, this I think is it's a team. Pretty, yeah, it, and this look, we've heard team. them say they are not a connected team. You know, so so you are right. We we've we we even heard I think Xavier early in the season with some comments uh, about it. You know, about like not playing hard in practice and things. That you you've heard little comments that if you take a step back and connect them all, you realize this. They have said they are not a connected unit behind the scenes as well as the product. So you're right. I mean, the on the court stuff is matching what we're hearing and and. I think that's fair, Rabbi. Any any comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I, I think I think it's fair. Um, I do think sometimes fans want to believe, you know, after every practice, <clears throat> everybody holds hands and sings "Kumbaya." Okay, that doesn't happen. Um, that's so what Ward and I do after every uh, podcast, though. <laughs> Good or bad, it's it, it's not like everybody has to love each other all the time. Okay. But you do have to be very connected and a cohesive unit on the basketball floor, and you have to be dedicated to each other as players. That's what you have to have. There was a team several years ago that did incredibly well, went to the Final Four, and it was a team that early in the season, I, I think the story is around late November, early December, that the players didn't like each other so much that there were multiple times they got into fights, actual fights, like fist fights. Like people had to be called and, all right, Joe, get off Jimmy. What the hell are you doing? They were, you know, they were fighting, okay? And the coach basically went to them and said, okay, you know, if you guys don't like each other, like, personally, that's okay. Let's make a business decision to be a really good basketball team. Respect each other as players. Respect each other in practice. Respect each other enough to do your workout so you're ready to bring everything you can to this team. And he got them all back together. And by the end, you know, guys had, you know, whatever the issues were early, had sort of been fixed by, by the time he got to, like, February or March. But like, not everybody has to love each other all the time. But you do have to really be a cohesive basketball team. Um, you know, it, 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 it's not like football where, okay, you know, if the, if the line does its job, they may not really know what the hell the quarterback does because he's behind them. You know, basketball is like these five parts all have to move together. They have to move together. They have to work together. And they all got to bring the same energy and the same passion. And when, when you're disconnected, or there's things that aren't working or guys are trying to go get theirs or whatever, then you, then you can have some disconnection on the court and that leads to bad basketball. It's, it's not. And again, I don't want anybody to think we're saying this is the only issue. Again, no, no, we're no, talking no. about there are multiple issues that need to be addressed and need to be corrected moving forward. So I want to say one thing about the uniforms because obviously that was a huge story that came out that Indiana and the way that Indiana announced the uniforms, everything about it felt weird. It it felt like Indiana was not proud of it. It felt like they were just trying to slide it in and fulfill a contractual obligation. 
look, I have absolutely no problem with Indiana trying to be relevant and speak to young people. You know, I mean, they're, they're not trying to speak to me and Ward and you, Rabbi. Totally right. get I mean, look, what I do for a living, I make television content. In many ways, I'm aiming at young people. Like, I'm creating content that isn't for me in, in many times. I'm all for that. And I'm all for making changes to outdated things that are preventing us from taking steps forward in modern times. That said, I thought the, the uniforms and that whole thing was totally tone deaf and on multiple levels. And let me just quickly explain and then curious Ward, your opinion and, and Rabbi's. Look, do I think they matter in terms of winning basketball games? No, I, I really don't. Do I think it is indicative of a program that is not cohesive and doesn't really get it and isn't going towards a real goal? Yes, I do. I think it's a symptom of it. The hardest thing for anybody to do, for any company or basketball program, organization, is to have a real brand, a brand that means something, that when you hear the name or see the logo, it it means something. Indiana has been blessed by Bob Knight, truthfully. He built it to have a real brand that is meaningful in the world of college athletics and sports in general. Indiana has a brand. There is a way to make even that brand that was built in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, there is a way to make that brand super cool in 2025 without ignoring everything that came before it. You know, we all hear the term OG, right? Original gangster, OG, old gangster. That's cool in many ways. Classic mm -hmm. and retro can be cool. Being badass, Bob Knight is badass. Look at things like Ric Flair. Ric Flair was the biggest name in wrestling in the 70s and 80s in the South. He's cool in 2020 because of who he was. And, and that brand has continued to be cool and made money and brought people in. There is a way to make Indiana basketball cool without totally throwing everything away and just being this thing that the University of Miami is doing. The same exact thing. That should be your first tip-off, that it's not a good idea. We are Indiana. We do things our way. We are different. We are individual. We are unique. We are not going to wear the same exact uniforms or style that Miami is wearing. You're saying, you're just saying we are the same as Miami. Who the fuck is Miami when it comes to basketball? I know they kicked our ass last year, but they got no banners hanging. They don't have the the conference championships that we have in our past. They don't have the support or the or, or the passion that our team has. And we were fine signing up to do something that Miami is doing. Fuck that. I'm sorry. That to me is the administration just falling over themselves to be current and cool and hip and having no understanding of what your own brand can be. You can update your brand. You can lean into the classic OG style of your brand, your brand and make it relevant today. You don't throw it all away for that bullshit. And you don't do it in the midst 
of a six and seven season where everybody is now calling for the coach's head. It was tone deaf. I don't care if they made the agreement six months ago. Cancel it. Fuck it. We'll go find somebody else to be our athletic gear sponsor if you're going to make us wear that shit and promote it before that game. It looked like our eyes were not on the ball and had no understanding of the brand. That's what bothered me about the whole thing. Ward, go ahead, and then I'll finish. <laughs> oh, I really didn't. I, I, got a, I got a few things to say. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't really care that much either way. Uh, I'd never heard of this fear of God thing, but it just so happens I was at the mall with my daughter on the very day of the game and saw a huge display for fear of God and realized, oh, like, okay, this is a big deal for teenagers. My daughter was impressed that Indiana University had a fear of God uh, a, a uniform that they were wearing that very day. To me, uh, definitely more of a traditionalist, like the more traditional look and feel of all things Indiana, uh, but really don't care either way. Don't get really worked up about it either way. Um, yeah, me neither. I, I think it's just uh, absolutely uh, irrelevant what we need is a team that wins basketball games. We haven't had a good basketball team for like, you know, I mean, pushing a decade now. Honestly. I, I, I totally agree. And, and, and I just so, would argue that the people making the decisions to do that are the same people making the decisions to that ultimately lead to whether or not we have a basketball team on the court that can win. And if you're concerned about that and that's where you think the direction of the thing goes, I think it's an error in judgment. I think it's poor judgment. And I think it's indicative of poor judgment that we have seen with the athletic administration for many years. If you want to use it as exhibit 37B yes. against what's wrong with IU athletics, I think that's very admissible into the the court of judgment. Uh, but for me, it's like, okay, sure, we're, we still suck. Who cares? Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't disagree with that. Um, okay, so here's what I'll say about the uniforms and the whole thing. I really don't care that much about uniforms. I'm not a fashion guy. I'm not a fashion guru. Hell, everybody knows I shop at Goodwill. Okay, ain't nobody coming to me asking for an evaluation of what's going on in the world of high fashion. However, and I also understand the idea of Indiana wanting to add one piece, and this was a one-off, a one-time deal. I understand the idea of wanting to do a one-off alternate jersey, something that's cool to the kids, something that's cool in, in the fashion world. Um, and, and I was told that Fear of God's, you know, potentially maybe going to replace a Jeezy brand, that it's got some cachet in L.A., New York, and other places. Okay. Yeah, it does. That's what I was told. That, that's fine. It I, does. It's not my world, so I can't comment on that. I'm just going to I'm going to accept what I was told at face value. So, okay. I understand the concept. I don't really have a problem with the concepts. I actually think adding touches of coolness to IU basketball is conceptually a good idea. Okay. However, you have a season that's that's going off the rails. Some might say going off the rails, however you want to phrase it. The temperature in the room of the IU fan base is frustration, at minimum frustration. Some might already be to the point of exasperation. But you have people who are Upset at the coach, upset at the play, upset at losing, tired looking at how many times are we going to lose by double figures? How many times are we going to freaking lose? We just got destroyed by Purdue. We're losing home games to Penn State. What the hell is going on? So you have an agitated fan base. And instead of things to calm them down, good play, win a home game, (laughs) come back against Ohio State, you say, you know what? 
we know you're a traditional fan base. We know you love history. We know you care deeply about tradition. So what we're going to do is we're going to light all that shit on fire and throw this crazy shit in front of you. And we're going to allow Adidas to market it in this very avant-garde photo that makes a whole lot of people look at it and go, what in the hell is this shit? And why are we focusing on this shit right now when we suck as a basketball program? Yes. It was poor timing. It was terrible timing. And I understand the that Adidas wanted to drop these during All-Star Weekend because there's a lot of social media influencers who are commenting on style and shoes and whatever. And there's all these photos of the players at their, the NBA players at their various events and what shoes are they wearing. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> somebody tuned me into a couple of these social media accounts and okay. They, you know, the IU jerseys did blow up with a lot of positive comments on certain fashion, social media accounts. Okay. Who gives a shit? I mean, I'm sorry, but like, really, does that does that help your three point shooting? Does that help your defense? Does that help your rebounding? So it's like the concept. I understand the concept, but allowing Adidas to completely dictate to you that you are going to do this when we tell you are going you are going we, we when when we want you to do it. I thought that was very questionable, and all it did was agitate or irritate an already frustrated fan base. Bad timing, good concept, but it was just it's one of those things to where. <clears throat> Indiana should have said, hey, guys, not now. Not with not with where our season is, not with where our fan base is. Now is not the time. And they should have said no. And and again, you know, I was told, hey, you know, and Adidas, as obviously everybody saw, Adidas unveiled this. Okay. Adidas was the one, or Adidas and Fear of God unveiled it. They were the ones who had the contractual rights, as far as what I was told, to do the unveiling. It was their photo shoot. Obviously, whoever did the photo was not a sports person because, you know, sports people, what would we have done? A basketball player in a basketball jersey, maybe on a basketball court, maybe holding the basketball. I don't know. But, like, very avant-garde, fashionistic type photo. And it was 100% Adidas's contractual right, from what I was told. They pick the image. They do the photo shoot. They do the timing. It's their announcement. And you're using the IU brand <clears throat> to expand Adidas and Adidas's partnership with Fair of God. And I think Indiana should have the right to say, hey, guys, no, not the right time for us. We're not doing it. Agreed. But I will go one step further. I agree with everything you said, except for you have a brand that is meaningful to yes. throw yes. it all away from a design standpoint and not have any homage to what makes it classic and recognizable and just go total fear yeah. of God, I think is stupid and mm. short-sighted. Then I'll disagree with that because I think like, what's like, what are we, what are we really doing here? Like trying, trying to do something one-off really bold. That's really going to get people's attention, like good or bad. You know, I, I would be shocked if people at Adidas didn't know that there was going to be a good chunk of the Indiana fan base that would be like, what the fuck is this? And get mad and tweet about it and add to the firestorm. So to me, I'm like, all right, well, if you're going to do something different and bold and out there, go for it. I don't necessarily like it, but especially since there's no long-term ramifications, I'm like, sure, make it, make it however you want to, to go different. I mean, you even look at the, um, the black history month jerseys, right? 
yeah. you know, just like, yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, some traditional design in that, but I'm like, okay, if you're going to do it different, do it different. But then for me, I want it, I want it to be what we've known and loved forever, including no names on the back. And I was glad Fear of God and Adidas did not put our names on the back. The, yeah, the only, I, 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 go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole here because this could be a long conversation. I do believe, Ward, that Indiana basketball as a program has been death by a thousand cuts. It's not one thing that hurts the brand. It's a lot of things and a lot of bad decisions. I think this is one of those. I think that not one thing is the tipping point, but they all lead to this just get away from tradition, get away from what has made us distinct and unique there is this, there still is to me this thought that we have to throw away everything before to, and now look, you could say, but they hired Mike Woodson. So that's, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like we've been making the argument in the other Mike direction. Mike Woodson didn't years. like it. Mike Woodson didn't like it. I mean, even he shit on it in his radio show tonight. Yeah. I, I like, I, it's hilarious. I think death, death by a thousand cuts, I think it's been death by a small handful of cuts. And that's been hiring the wrong coach at virtually every step of the way since we got rid of Bob Knight. Well, I think those are the big cuts. Those are the big cuts. But that's where I don't think the little cuts matter at all. I think the oh, only cuts that matter are who the head coach is of this basketball program. That's it. I mean, obviously, there are, there are different levels of cuts and different levels of you know impact. You know, and it's like that old saying, I'm getting it wrong, but paraphrasing it, you know, most ships sink by taking on water a little bit at a time over a consistent period of time. You know, they don't just, you know, sink in one minute. It takes time. And when you start taking on water, you got to stop taking on water. And this was a little bit of taking on water. And and again, if I use it in their top 10 in the country, yeah. and they unveil these jerseys and they go out and absolutely kick Northwestern's ass, this is a peripheral issue. At best, but IU is playing bad basketball. People and and part of part of the tradition of IU is playing the game the right way. Quote the right way. Unquote. Hard, aggressive, smart. Share the ball. Take good shots. Play good defense. Rebound. Those things. And part of I think the reaction is people are frustrated that okay, this isn't IU to me. And I had a bunch of my friends text that even before the jersey, just the way IU plays. Like this is not IU to me. They take dumb shots. They don't hustle. They don't run. They're like, this is not IU to me. So you sort of have that thought that's running through some people's minds, at least part of the fan base, that this is not IU to me. And then you roll out this jersey that is a visual that says this is not IU. Yeah, and the, all it does the is throw gas on that fire. And, and so I think that's, that, that's part of it, too. But again, if I use top 10 in the country and they go out there and they win by 20 and just crush Northwestern, people are barely talking about the jersey. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, so let's talk about this. You talked about how you mentioned as you started that your response here, that some people think the season is going off the rails or it's gone off the rails. Rabbi, we got six games left in the regular season. No game against anybody great except for, you know, Wisconsin is highly ranked because they had a bunch of wins early, but they're playing like shit recently. We play them at home. Is the season off the rails? Is there any salvaging this season? And let's, for, for, for the purpose of this conversation, 
let's not even talk about the Big Ten tournament. Like, because obviously, if they win the Big Ten tournament, they're in the NCAA tournament. And that would be, I think everybody would argue, salvaging the wreckage of where we are so far. But the six games left in the regular season, is there any salvaging this season with this team next six games? From a practical standpoint, no. From a, from a mythical standpoint, if you won out, sure. That, that, no, that, 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 would, that would salvage the season. But Indiana, uh, on Bart Torvik, is an underdog in every remaining game, including at home against Nebraska. Let me say that again. Indiana <laughs> is an underdog at home against Nebraska. Nebraska has um, not won a road game this season. Right, right. And so the, the chances of them winning out are, I don't know what the math would be, but it would be ridiculous, 0.0001%, something like that. Um, so, yes, the season has gone off the rails. Uh, they're sitting there at sub-500 in the Big Ten in a year when the Big Ten is not all that strong. Um, the results, you know, losing by 20 to Connecticut, 28 to Auburn, um, by 16 to Nebraska. Go on down the list. Everybody knows the numbers. The, the, the season's off the rails. This one is. And uh, like I said, post game, I think the only thing they're really playing for at this point is just pride in themselves, pride in performance, pride in the jersey, pride in the name of your school, um, at least to go out and play hard. But this season, as far as the regular season goes, yeah, it's going off the rails. All right. So then let's look forward because the elephant in the room here. And look, you you publish a website that is the leading website in the IU athletics. It is the town square, if you will, for people to come mm -hmm. talk and air out their opinions and vent and celebrate together and commiserate together. And I would say, and you tell me because you've been running it, but my opinion from a user of it for many, many years now, almost two decades, is that it's as negative as it has ever been. And there are more threads about trying fans venting their frustration at the head coach and thinking a change needs to be made. It is what it felt like at the end of Archie. It's what it felt like at the end of Crean. But it actually feels like there's even fewer defenders right now than there have been in those situations. So my question to you is, where do we stand on that I think you and I have been in kind of lockstep on this and our opinions on the board, but what is, what is your message to Indiana fans on where things stand as far as who the head coach will be next season? Well, I think as far as the level of fan frustration, to me, it resembles the latter stages of Mike Davis's tenure when, when people kind of felt like, okay, we've seen enough, our opinions are made and, and, and people are stating their opinions. Um, quite passionately and, and, and quite clearly. So I, that's where I would equate it to because like, you know, Kareem's last year, I think people realized there were some good things he did. And he we did were, we were one year removed from a big 10 title and a sweet 16 appearance. Yeah. yeah. Two big 10 titles, three sweet 16s and a five year span. Kareem did do some good things. He also did some things that really rubbed people the wrong way, that really caused relationships to uh, just completely collapse. And his ability to recruit this state in the Midwest was really, really, really slipping. And I thought a change was understandable. I could have gone either way at the end, one more year or not, but I understood it. And then, you know, Archie comes in and it just didn't work. You know, COVID, you can argue they would have gone to the tournament. I think that's likely, but it didn't happen. 
you're at IU for four years, no NCAA tournament. Fair to make change. Yep. Um, but I think people are definitely frustrated. Um, from what I have been told, um, the plan right now is that Mike Woodson gets next year. That's what I've been told. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, up, down, blue, green, purple, whatever. Unless, of course, Pass with a caveat on. here, unless, of course, Mike Woodson decides he doesn't want to be there. Of course. Of which course. is, of yeah, course, Mike something Mike. that he could wake up one morning and just decide that. But I mean, if, if, if this really, really, I mean, if the finish is really bad, you know, yeah, maybe there's something in Mike that says, okay, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to go through having to completely rebuild the roster. I don't want to have to go through all this stuff. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Um, but what I was told, at least. He's certainly not he was, acting like that. He's certainly not acting like that. No, no. He, he's acting like, you know, we're, we're going to get this thing back. And, you know, um, and, and behind the scenes, you know, they're, they're very, very focused on trying to do the best job possible to be prepared for the transfer portal. And so that, at least to me, is an indication of a head coach who um, plans to return. I think for myself and probably a lot of other fans, the question is, does it matter how mad we get? Does it matter how loud we are? We're just normal fans. We don't give a lot of money. We don't have any power. We don't sit on a board. We're just really, really mad. If enough of us are super, super mad and make enough noise between now and the end of the season, could it make a difference? Or do we just need to get over it and do what we can to, to circle the wagons and to close ranks and try to help these coaches, assistant coaches, go out there and get new guys in for next year without these potential recruits, these transfer portal guys, seeing all this vitriol? Because I think there there is a strategy of, of the layman fan being like, God, if I let Scott Dolson and Quinn Buckner and Pam Witten know how mad I am and they're not going to get my $50 and I'm not going to go to the games next year, they will make a change. But if they're putting, we're putting all that out there and there's just like no chance, even if a, a, a 10,000 people are saying that, screaming it in unison, then should we all just get over it and publicly if we're not going to be vocally publicly uh internetly supportive of the regime at least just shut it down and accept our fate for another year and and hope that they can get the talent in to make next season much more pleasant than this well I, here's what i would say to that um i'm not a big fan of reporters telling fans what to feel or think and i say that as a reporter there's not a big fan of that. Fans can feel or think what they want. What I would say is uh, communicate to people and make decisions. Screaming on Twitter does nothing. Okay? It absolutely does nothing. Um, at least nothing positive. Pam Witten isn't scrolling Twitter. Scott Dolson isn't scrolling Twitter. Quinn Buckner ain't even on Twitter. I don't even know if Quinn has Twitter on his phone. Uh, or Instagram or any of that stuff. So... If you actually want to, if you're out frustrated to the point you want to communicate your frustrations, do so. Um, the, the emails are easy to find. I, I would advise people to consider a professional communication, express your passion, express your opinion. Do it in a pretty concise manner. Three paragraphs are far more likely to get read than three pages. Okay? Um, and, and, and the other thing, the one thing I would advise people don't, not to do 
don't tag recruits in, tw- in tweets mm. about you being pissed off about IU basketball. That doesn't do any good. And actually, that has a chance to do some harm because sometimes I even had a kid ask me, like, you know, Abby, what's, what's with these people yelling at me? What did I do? I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. You ain't done nothing. Just ignore it. It's just noise. Um, but I would, I would say don't, don't, don't be tagging recruits. Don't, don't, don't act like a jackass on social media. Oh, that is one piece of advice I would give people. Don't act like a jackass on social media. That, that does not help at all. And, and, that, and again, it's not going to be seen by decision makers. Right. Decision makers don't sit at home and scroll Twitter, man. I mean, just have a little more self-control. Uh, just be, have a better plan for how you're going to direct your anger. Yeah. Again, the just email strategy. powers of beer easy. Yeah. But that, but that, that's the one piece of advice that I would toss into the hopper on that front. Yeah, that's, that's insane to me that people would actually uh, tweet at a recruit as part of their diatribe. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's – it's Eric, are you ready to, to look forward then, assuming that we, we are keeping uh, the current regime in place for next year, then what, in fact, is next year going to look like? What could we hope for it to look like? What's realistic? This kind of thing? Is this where we're going? I think so. I mean, look, we've got Liam McNeely is the only commitment for the Indiana class. Now, obviously, he fills a giant need. He seems to be about all the and but I even think, Rabbi, if you go back to our earlier conversation, he is the right guy to fill all of the things we were talking about. So the first mm-hmm. is roster construction, right? The first need on this team. Well, I guess you could say one in one A is impact guards, but shooting as well, and impact guards who can shoot. Liam McNeely Mm -hmm. is a wing who is one of the best shooters in the class, and that is not hyperbole, right? He is one of the best shooters in the class, playing at very high-level competition. So he fills that. Then from a schematic standpoint, he allows you to do more schematically because he is such a good shooter and he has such a good feel for the game with a high basketball IQ, it it appears. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of point B. And then point C, the intangibles, he seems to be a good teammate, a leader, plays with emotion, goes about things the right way, has an appreciation for the history of not just the game, but for Indiana. One of the reasons that Indiana was appealing to him, and especially his grandfather, was Mm -hmm. the history of Indiana. Like, that is that was not lost on them. In fact, that was a big piece of the puzzle that got Indiana in the conversation. So I don't think we need to rehash the Liam McNeely stuff. We kind of all, every Indiana fan knows that. Where are we with Derek Queen? Is he even the right guy that we should be recruiting? And Liam McNeely ain't enough to fix the issues that this team has. So where are we with impact guards? Where is the Xavier Johnson replacement? Where are we? Yeah. um, I'm going to throw one more thing in your hopper on Liam McNeely. I'm going to take the phrase seems to be a good teammate off the table. I've seen him enough. I've been around him enough. No, I'm just saying I've been around him enough. I've seen him enough. Uh, you know, out, out there in Vegas, you know, uh, Trevor and I both had a chance not only to talk to him, but talk to assistant coaches on Montverde, talk to his teammates. You know, he's been at Montverde for two years. There, there, there's a pretty reasonable body of work there. Liam McNeely is loved by his teammates. Loved. Right. You know, I mean, on, on the day that he was going to announce there out in Vegas, um, uh, Cooper Flagg comes out wearing his Liam McNeely shirt, as did some of the other players. They were celebrating their guy. 
So he, he awesome. is. I would take him. I would take him on my team seven days a week and be very, very happy about it as a person. Before we even talk about the impact skills, um, as far as Derek Queen, Indiana's in there. Um, there's some details on the board on the, the of why I feel that way that I'm going to leave on the board. But here on the podcast, I will say that you know Indiana's legitimately in there. Now, when Derek says he's thinking about deciding soon, soon can mean one thing to one person, one thing to another person, and talking to some other people, we'll see if soon means like in the immediate future or not. Don't know. Um, and then the reason I don't know is because the people around him are kind of like, we're just, you know, just give us a little bit more time. So, you know, and, and if he decides in a month or month and a half, that you know, six weeks could feel like soon when you've been recruited since you entered high school. You know, he's been recruited for bait. He's been a recruiting target. He's been a known commodity since he entered high school. So yeah. if the decision's coming in four or five weeks, that could be soon. You know, that's not four or five years. Yeah, but okay. But, so, I, I mean, look, Ravi, with all due respect, man, that's a load of shit. This is, th- th- I'm sorry. Like, like let, let's not play games with semantics here. This I'm is a kid and is. his team and the people around him. This has been a fucking weird recruitment. And I know we got to play nice. I get it. But- this is a kid who at one point, Rabbi, you and I were having the conversation that he was going to decide in November, early signing period. And then it was pushed to, no, he's going to do it in December. And then, no, 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 now it's going to be at this event in January. Let's not pretend that this has been by the book, standard, normal. The kid knows what soon means, and it's bull- this has been bullshit. I mean, like, what the fuck? Well, okay, oh, that's all fair. That's all fair. By the way, are you actually saying that anything in recruiting is quote normal unquote? <laughs> Are you well, putting the words normal and recruiting in the same well, sentence? I, I mean, dude, I've done this for thirty-three years. You explain to me, give me a normal recruitment. They're all different. I'm, well, I'm just all I'm doing is I'm giving you the normal is and from what I'm told. That's okay, all. but I'm just saying normal is this. Forget everything else. Normal is this. I'm going to decide and make my announcement in the early signing period, and then you do it. That's normal. That's fair. That's okay, That's when you don't fair. do it and then you keep saying no and you keep moving the goalposts, it's weird. And I do want to say this about this recruitment. It it has been said now, been reported even by by 247's Deshaun uh, Leonard. Is Lon- that his last name? London. 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 Sorry, Deshaun London, Deshaun who does London. great work, that Khalil and whether Khalil comes back or not is a big factor in Indiana's mm-hmm. place in the Derrick Queen recruitment. That obviously, mm-hmm. if Khalil Ware comes back, there's no Derek Queen. Well, yeah, I mean, if Khalil Ware comes back, Indiana doesn't want Derek Queen. Well, but, but this is this is where I think we are in a new age between NIL and the portal and all this stuff. The way we got McKenzie right, that I think this is going to be more normal. Because if I'm Derek Queen, I'm taking it from his point of view. Let me see how these teams do. Let let me see. Maryland's got a relatively new coach. Woody's still a relatively new coach. You know, and how is and how is he going to do developing these guys, not being gift wrapped with Trace Jackson Davis as one of the all time greats? So, from Derek's point of view, I, I get where it feels like we as the fans have been getting jerked around a little bit. But if I'm Derek, I'm like, no, I'm going to play this out until the last oh. possible moment, until I am yeah. sure what's the best situation for me totally to walk agree. into. Yeah, I totally agree with you that I, I get it, and it's smart. Totally smart. I, I, I'm just saying it has not been 
When we start playing like, oh, soon could mean tomorrow or I get it. four I get years it. <laughs> from now. I mean, like, let's not kid ourselves here. <laughs> I understand. I so, understand. but but so, I want to go back to to me, it is strange that Indiana has not been able to convince Derek Queen that Khalil Ware is going professional. I mean, it just the the, <clears throat> the scenario of Khalil Ware coming back for Indiana for another year just seems so far fetched. Um that I'm surprised that that is still an impediment for the recruitment. And I guess I what what worries me about that and what I don't understand is Maryland still seems to be squarely in the mix. They have mm-hmm. Julian Reese. Mm-hmm. The chances mm-hmm. of Julian Reese coming back to Maryland have to be at least as good or as bad as Khalil coming back to Indiana. And I would argue there's more of a chance of of Julian Reese coming back to Maryland than Khalil coming back to Indiana. But we haven't heard that that is an impediment for Maryland. So I don't understand that. And then what I don't understand is towards point, if you're taking a step back and going, what's the best scenario for me? Wouldn't you, if you haven't been convinced yet that Khalil is leaving Indiana, don't you need to wait to the end of the season to actually hear that he's leaving Indiana before you would make a decision? I hear, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 those are all very good points. Um, and I think part of this is with, with some elite players, like they want to know, do I have a spot or what kind of spot do I have? Right. You know, and, and which that, that, that is nothing wrong with that. I got no problem with it. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I mean, the things you laid out are the things that are in play, you know. And, and Houston is hanging around because they're sitting there going, hey, look what we did with Therese. Therese Walker came from the same, same AU program, same area. Lots of connections between Therese Walker and Derek Queen. Therese, obviously, was very good at Houston, now rookie with the Indiana Pacers. Um, so I understand why Houston's hanging around. If I'm Houston, I hang around because I look at Indiana and go, Maryland, okay, you guys haven't locked them up yet. That means we ain't out. I'm going to hang around. And if I'm Kansas and I got Bill Sell, who probably has one of the better track records at the 11th hour and 59th minute, I ain't going nowhere. I might only have a 5 10% chance, but even if I got that chance, even if he looks at my program and says, well, Hunter Dickinson may come back, you already signed Flory Vidunga, five-star center in my class, that is certainly an, a big hurdle that Houston has to try to jump, or the Kansas has to try to jump. But we've seen Bill himself jump some pretty tall hurdles before. Uh, so I think Indiana and Maryland are still the most likely, but I understand Houston and Kansas hanging around. Certainly Houston, maybe a little more than Kansas. Sure. But I, it, it, it's just, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you what, I'm just giving you information. Now. I'm no, just no, I get the, it. Well, the way it is. And but now sometimes let's... recruitments don't make sense. And <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. I, I, dude, there's, if I ever wrote a book, man, I could just write a book called Here's 100 Recruitments Were Very, Very Odd. Here's the story. Yeah, no, that would be a bestseller. I really believe that. If you took like the 100 craziest recruitments and told the stories beginning to end with an oral history where you have interviews with coaches that were involved talking about it, it would be an incredible book. And because we have put it out there on this podcast, we will take 50% of all earnings, just so you know. Uh, This is patent pending. All right, so Rabbi, let's go back to is... If Khalil were, if we get Derek Queen, it means Khalil Ware is gone. Let's assume for the sake of argument that Malik Renew is back. I don't think that's guaranteed. I don't think it's guaranteed that anybody is back, truthfully, because of the way the season has gone and the way the college basketball is. I don't think there's any guarantee. But 
Look, I think it's pretty guaranteed that Trey Galloway isn't going to play for a different school. Trey Galloway mm-hmm. is likely going to use his COVID year and come back to Indiana. I think that's likely. Outside of him, I think everybody's up for grabs. I mean, I really do. I think there's a possibility. I think Gabe Cups comes back. I think Gabe Cups is very likely to play for Indiana next year. Transferring would be weird. Um, but other than those two, I I think that there's a chance that anybody could really look at transferring or leaving. So let's assume Khalil's gone and we get Derek. Is that the right move for Indiana in the conversation that we've been having about roster construction? I know he does some things differently than Khalil, but he does some things worse than Khalil. Is that the right guy to play the more modern style of basketball that we've been talking about? Well, I mean, Woody wants multiple bigs that he can play. Okay, that, that, I don't see that changing. I just don't. That, that is something that he wants on his roster. So I've almost sort of like looked at it like a geometry equation and been like, that's that's one of the givens. That there's going to be another big. If it's not Derek, it's, they're going to go get one in the portal. Um, so I just kind of like, okay, is it exactly the positional choices that a lot of coaches would make? Maybe not. But this is the way Mike Woodson's going to do it. So, okay, moving on from there. Um, I do think there's going to be portal movement both ways on the IU basketball roster in and out. Um, you know me, I try to stay away from names until the guys actually enter of the course. portal. But <clears throat> I think it would be quite silly to pretend there's not going to be movement both in and out. So I think, again, to go back to where we kind of started, the biggest thing for IU next year, as far as a roster construction standpoint, is you got to go get a dynamic point guard, somebody who can really create plays, get downhill, get by his defender, get his defender off balance. Um, you know, like some of those Auburn guys, people like that. You got to go get one of those in the portal. Let me and stop you, you right there. Get... Let me stop you right there. What are the chances that happens for us? Well, I mean, it has to actually happen. So uh, I do think IU has has more connections this cycle than they had before. Mm. Um, and it's 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 about connections. I mean, there's 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 a whole lot of stuff that you know we just can't throw out there, but. I and mean, I'm not going to, uh, certainly. But there are more connections for IU this time around, so their chances are better. Chances are better. Okay. You have to go get them. Um, you have to understand they are one of the most coveted portal positions. Um, you have to accept that you're going to have competition for them, and you're going to have to have your head coach in the ring fighting. Fighting. I mean fighting. Okay, this isn't just, well – He'll come to visit. Son will tell you about how great IU is. Oh, you you gotta you gotta get in. You gotta put your boots on, and you gotta get in the fight. Um, but I do think the chances are better. Um, and I think the the, 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 other the calendar is shorter this year too, right, Rabbi? Yeah, calendar shorter. Calendar so shorter. what 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 is the what are the dates that people should? Do you know the dates off the top of your head? Does it end in May? I don't. I don't have it right in front of me. I don't have it right in front of me. But, but the thing is, whether it's shorter, longer, or whatever, everybody has the same window, okay? Everybody right. has the same. It's the same for the players, the same for all the schools. So it's not like, you know, it's shorter for IU and longer for, you know, Miami or whatever. It's it's the same. Um, so I think they need to get a dynamic claymaker at point guard. I think they need to get, ideally, two other guys out of the portal, guards or wings. Go either way. You know, twos and threes are kind of like interchangeable depending on how you want to play, what you want to do with them. They can be slashers. I think it, it would be better if they're shooters, shot makers. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people shoot the ball. They need people to make shots. Um, so 
but you can you can you can argue you know go get a guy who's a really six five to six seven guy who's a really big time athlete and scores more on the drive but he's got to have some wiggle to him can't have that i just had too many straight line drivers recently you know and it's like in the big 10 windows close a lot faster you got to have change of speed and change of direction you have to um and then you really need somebody ideally somebody who's got some stop and go i mean they don't have to be carson edwards on the stop and go but they need to have some stop and go to them um and get two of those guys in a dynamic point guard you then then you have changed your roster at three of the most impactful positions point guard dynamic playmaker a shooting guard who can really shoot. I mean, a James Blackman would be the ideal. I don't know if you're going to get somebody that good, so it's that, but something in that vein would be the ideal. And then another guy who is maybe a two or a three, um, or maybe kind of like a two-three combo. Those are the three things that Indiana really needs to get in the portal. Those are the three most important things for Indiana to get in the portal. Because even if they went in next year with Malik, and let's, let's say let's say Clover goes to the NBA, and let's say you miss on Queen, okay? So, but let's say Malik returns. All right, play him to five. No problem. Well, I mean, my question to you is, is that a better scenario? Like, that's my, my question to you. Is that a uh, better scenario? Because I doubt well, positionally, he will play Peyton Sparks with Malik. I, I just don't think he'll do that. I think that Peyton, if he didn't Peyton get... Peyton's not good enough to start. I'm sorry. Dave. No, 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 Nobody. I agree. I agree. But I'm saying I don't even think Woody would do that. So if he missed on Queen and we weren't able to get that other big and he's forced into playing small ball or or more 2024 ball is that better for us and maybe you do get mckenzie back and play him at the four and play liam at the three and then get your dynamic point guard and go get either a two guard or i I look i think it's going to be very hard if trey galloway comes back i think it's going to be very hard to get him out of the starting lineup i think woody loves him i think also just when you look around at the kind of guards that go into the portal, like Cam Spencer, okay? Cam Spencer plays the same position Trey Galloway does. Mm -hmm. Cam Spencer had one year left. Cam Spencer was not going to go to a place where he didn't think that he could actually compete for a national championship. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody looks at Indiana next year and thinks you can compete for a national championship. So I don't think Mm -hmm. you're going to get the cream of the crop two guard. And if you don't get the cream of the crop two guard, I think you're going to get a step down, which isn't going to be that much better than Trey Galloway in Mike Woodson's mind. And therefore, Trey Galloway, an inconsistent outside shooter, is going to be your starting two guard again. I mean, it's certainly possible. And, I mean, a lot of things are possible. I was, just, I was just trying to answer your question on what should they do. No, no, you're and, fair, uh, fair uh, enough. In, fair uh, enough. Trying to answer what should they do. And okay. what, what would maximize the opportunity for the most improvement with one portal hall? Dynamic point guard, a two guard, and then another guy who is a wing slasher slash shot maker. Yeah, fair. Rabbi, this is maybe the biggest question with so many different factors playing into it, many of which we've touched on. Can this team, this coaching staff, and the players coming back you think probably will with – whatever you know out there about the transfer portal or maybe a recruit or two that might shake loose with the decommitment or a reclassification. Do you think our team will be better next year than it is this year? You had to bet. You have to bet. Will Indiana basketball be better next season if we stay on this course, wherever it's at today, 
than than what we're we're living through right now. Will it be better next year? Will it be worse? Will it be the same? What do you think? I think it'll be better because I think at least they're going to get a dynamic point guard and at least one other uh, guard or wing that can be helpful. And you, you can't, you know, Gabe Cup's coming off the bench can can be fine as a backup. You know, he really struggles as, as a starter uh, because there are times he plays thirty plus minutes and, and and scores four or fewer points and and has very few assists. You just can't have that. You just need more production from your point guard in twenty twenty four. Um, and again, we're we're moving forward here. We're not going back to the 1980s or 1990s. We're moving forward. Um, so I, I think I think the I think they will be better next year. How much better is the question? But I do think they will be better. Um, yeah, can I just reasons, real quick, real quick, just to support you? I think they will be better too. Not that that matters because Rabbi's opinion means a lot more than mine. But mostly because just replay the first hour of this podcast about how bad this team is this year. I mean, just statistically, yeah. from a record standpoint and statistically, it would be hard to be worse. Like, it would I be really that. hard to be worse. I hear that, but that's just sort of based on historic precedent. I'm looking yes. at like what's definitely coming back next year or coming in that's new next year. And it's like the only thing we know that's coming in that's new next year is Liam. Yeah, but but that but that shouldn't be discounted because it yeah, is no, the it's one not thing discounted, we need but it's the most like for me. I can't like then make the leap of like there's several other players whose names okay, maybe we've heard, but we certainly have no idea that they might be showing up at Bloomington this summer or in the fall. Like it it's hard for me to believe with it's just we've got one freshman coming in to think we're sure. gonna be better than we are this year. I'm <laughs> glad to hear Rabbi say he thinks we're going to get an impact point guard. But that, let me – That's reassuring. Yeah. Well, hang on. I'm, I'm just saying the chances are better. I'm making no right. predictions, no promise. I'm just saying they are better positioned. Uh, and, and one of the and, other And they're also better positioned, is, Rabbi, from a priority standpoint, meaning yes. last year this are coaching they, staff – we know? Do we know that the coaching staff feels the same do. way we do? Okay. No, no, we know – I know 100%. Okay. That the coaching staff is going into the portal season saying we are going to recruit portal guards and we need portal guards. Yeah, we yeah. need upperclassmen guards, which is also why they have not gone full bore after Daquan Davis, the freshman 70, 80th ranked guard, because they don't want freshman guards. They want yeah. portal guards who can come in and are upperclassmen and perform immediately. They did yeah. not have that mindset last year. Okay. And so, yeah. do you agree with that, La Rabbit? 100%. Last portal cycle, I thought they were, they were, they put too many eggs in the Xavier Johnson basket. And the you Trey know, Galloway basket. Big. And the Trey Galloway basket. I, I, I agree with, I agree with both that. But they looked at Xavier and thought, well, he is a dynamic playmaker. He can turn the corner of the ball screen. Yes. He can be, he can be a very good on ball defender, which he can be. Okay. But once he went down, you got nothing. Nothing left. I mean, no offense to Gabe Cuff. It is not his fault he's been thrown in the starting lineup as a freshman. That is not his fault. That is roster construction problem. That is not the fault of any 18-year-old freshman kid. But this year, they have some pretty clear skill sets that they want to go after, and they want to go after hard. And the other thing is, like, you know, in the portal, like, there are some players who, I think I can say this out loud, um, they're only going to consider schools with robust NIL endeavors. Okay. It's just the way it is. Yeah. All right. People can like that comment, not like that comment. 
I'm tasked with living in the real world. That's the real world, my friends. Okay, so there are some portal players, you know, uh, and for whom only schools with good NIL situations are going to be considered. And like, you know, I'm just a little local reporter here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and my list of guys who are either planning to go in the portal or already decided that they're going to portal just went past 90 this morning. Okay. You know, and these are just, that's just from people who I know from doing this a long time have reached out to me and said, Hey, Rabbi, so-and-so is going to portal. How many you know. of them are on the IU team? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look at Ward. That's a question. I tell you what, man, that's a question right there. Um, and I'm just going to sit here and keep talking and ignore the hell out of it. Um, <clears throat> but so I, I, I do think from what I've been told and what I've gathered, that I use chances of portal success this year are better. I really do. Okay. And I'm not, right. that's not being, I think you know, that's in any way. Uh, I think that is or, important just, for, for people to hear. I do. I do too, but don't take offense to this word. I don't think that's the real question. To me, the real question is what, you. what are the chances that we can get enough better that next year continues this era of Indiana basketball? Or are we destined that even if we're better in a realistic way, in a realistic estimation of what we're going to get, are we going to be better than we were last year? where we had Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino, we went 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten with this coaching staff and these schematics, and we won one game in the tournament. What are the chances that with the pieces returning and a realistic haul in the transfer portal that we will be significantly better than last year? Because if we aren't, where are we? That's a really good question. I don't know that anybody could sit here and say that next year IU will be significantly better than Trace Jackson Davis's senior year, um, because that was that was a a McDonald's All American who stayed four years. It was his senior year. He was a first team All American. He got votes in numerous National Player of the Year polls, and you had a, a six foot five point guard in Chandler Hedgefino, who was a first round NBA draft pick. Those are two phenomenal pieces of your starting five. Uh, you also had another guy in race Thompson, who was a, you know, a veteran guy who understood his role, how to play. Um, but let's I, also I not that forget that you also had a Miller cop who shot mid forties from three that year. And on a low yeah. sample size, a Trey Galloway who shot really well last year. They, yeah, but those guys were both, they, they were stationary three point shooters. They were stationary guys. Neither of them, neither of them could change direction. Neither, neither of That's them. That's fair. Well, it was and, better than this year. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that, that, that's like saying, hey, I, I had a terrible meal at the restaurant, but at least I didn't eat out of the garbage can. I interrupted you. Beautiful your girl walks across the bar and shits in your, in your hand. <laughs> that's what Angela Pizza once told us. Um, so, uh, so, I, so, I, I, I don't know that you can guarantee that they're going to be better than Trace's senior year. You know, but forget about that, guarantees. That, forget about guarantees. Of course, you can't guarantee. Is it realistic to even think that that is reasonable? I would, I don't know. Um, I would say 
what's a good better word? I think that's more in the hopeful category. You know, yeah, I mean, look, this is, but the and, truth and, is, and, and, this and, is and, where, and like, this is where IU fans go crazy. And I get it. And a lot of mm-hmm. them have been coming after me online because I'm trying to just pass along what I think the belief is of the people in charge. And I'm not trying to weigh in here, but I understand if I'm a fan who thinks last year wasn't good enough. And if last year is the ceiling and you're telling me that in year four, even with a roster overhaul, it's in the hopeful category to get back to last year or close to last year, then blow the whole fucking thing up. And that I understand. I do get that. That and that's where IU fans are. Many, many IU fans. I, are. I, I understand that sentiment. I do, uh, and I hear it a lot. And it's clearly it is the predominant conversation on the Peaks board right now. What? Where can IU go with the current head coach? Is that level likely or not? Is that likely level acceptable or not? And what is the future? And with, with any fan base, one of the things you have to give them is hope. You have to give them a hope and reason for hope, yeah. not just blind hope. You have to give them a reason. Like with football right now, there's enormous excitement about IU football because people have taken time. And Matt Weaver's done a really good job writing a number of stories about Kurt Signetti, his background, why he's won, what he's done developing quarterbacks, how he's run offenses, Pat Coons and what he's done. You know, he was def- He won some national awards for defensive line coach of the year. A James Frick and Madison, man. Okay? No offense to James Madison. But who the hell knows anything about James Madison football unless you went to James Madison? And so you've got you no, there's the but, same thing about Indiana football. Well, but but what I'm saying is people are hopeful about IU football, excuse me, for reasons. Yes. It's not so, just blind hope. So what are guy. so what are the reasons to be hopeful for Indiana basketball? I mean, I think again, you know, your hope is for a very, very successful. 2024 portal cycle for Indiana. That that's that's the biggest thing. And then I would say, if you really want to look big picture and forward, okay. I mean, we're obviously talking about next year, which 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 by the way, that's been one of the problems for IU for a while now. They've gone so many years where they need help for next year. You know, it's been constant. You know, oh, uh, you know, who are we going to get? A, are we going to get a pivot man? Uh, you know, they didn't get Thomas Bryant until you know run the McDonald's All American game, spring signing. But they needed help, significant help, you know, from basically Thomas Bryant's recruiting year on. They've needed help this year for next year. So that means the roster construction has constantly been in flux for basically a decade. And I understand in the portal cycle, you're always going to want to have portal additions. But one of the things for IU, if you actually want to look beyond next year, okay, what exactly are you going to get in the portal? Are you going to get one-year guys or are you going to get multiple-year guys? If you get one-year guys, then you can make a case that, okay, well, let's try to do really well in the 2025 recruiting class so we can get a base again to where you don't, you're not portal dependent. There's nothing wrong with going to get portal help, but if you become portal dependent, which means portal dependent is defined basically as you need to do really well in the portal every year to have a good team the next year. Being portal dependent is dangerous. Look at Marquette. They're a really good team. I know they just got bull raced by UConn, but they're, Marquette's a good team. They've been top yeah. five at times. They've been top ten most of the country. I think if I think if I, if IU is having Marquette's season right now, I think most IU fans would be very happy. 
Well, that's yeah. kind of where I'm going with saying Marquette. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most we're, talking of the about, we're talking about Marquette, the college team, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think we'd be happy if we had Marquette the high school teams. Like, I mean, of course we would be happy with a top five team. But where I'm going with that is most of the Marquette players were recruited out of high school. Marquette is not, to this point, has not been portal dependent. So if you're looking forward for IU, fix the roster this year in the portal. Then you have to make a decision. Are you going to be portal dependent every year? Or are you going to go get some of these 2025 guys who are going to be multi-year players? Are you going to go get Braylon Mullen, six foot five shot maker from Greenfield Central? Are you going to go get Trent Sisley, outstanding six foot eight forward from Heritage Hills? Are you going to get uh, a Malachi Marino, uh, a Bryson Tiller, an Xavier Robinson? We can go go on down the list. Mikel Brown. Are you going to go get these kind of guys? And then you're building a base. And then two things happen: one, your floor raises, and then in a year or two, your ceiling really raises. Uh, because you can go into the portal and get one year guys and do well. You can. But we've also seen teams that get really into the portal. It works one year, and then, eh, not good. I mean, just, just look at us. But here's where I think the real pessimism comes from. Because, Rabbi, I was glad to hear you say that, yeah, we have more connections this year than we did last portal. Great. That's cool. That's a, that's a staff that's growing, getting better has more ability than they did last cycle. Um, Eric, you mentioned that, uh, yeah, the priority definitely is guards and wings. Okay, they've they've learned that. They understand that. Okay, I'm liking all this stuff. Say it comes together with robust NIL. We know that IU has robust NIL. These are all good things. What kind of fucking basketball are any of these people going to play? Honestly, like what have we seen on the court that makes me think like three, four-year players that you've been grooming since high school to transfer portal guys you have come in and do something uh, spectacular for a season or two. What evidence do we have that there is going to be a, a style of basketball on either end of the court that this talent can take advantage of and get us to a Final Four? We don't. I mean, we don't have the evidence. Like, like, Rabbi, have you seen things ever in the last two and a half seasons that are like, you know what? If they just, if they just had more talent, this would really be working. First four possessions of the Purdue game. <laughs> I mean, I, and I understand that that's one of the. That's not entirely. That's not entirely fair. I mean, that's a, it's funny, <laughs> but. But it's not entirely fair. There have been other stretches in games where the offense has looked really good. There were stretches in the Kansas game at home where the offense looked really good. Okay, you know? hang on a second. Hang on a second. I agree with that. However, in the Kansas game, you had somebody have one of those rough finishing moments. Trey Galloway played out of his mind. How many times is Trey Galloway going to go get you 28 points? That's a fair you point. Know, and and, and that, that's not criticizing Trey. It's just looking at, again, what we talked about earlier, the 80 and the 10 and the 10. 80% of the time, you are what, you, you are what you're going to be. You know? um, and can you go expect that's a Trey fair. Galloway to go get you 28? No. But no, there have been, and I was just, I was just making a joke about the I first know, I know. Well, you're right. But, I mean, <laughs> but, there, there, but, you know, um, but I, again, like we talked about when we were talking about schematics and philosophy, I think they have to make some adjustments. I think they have to. I think they have to revamp the roster with the portal additions, the type we talked about, and I think you have to adjust how you play. I just think you have the the idea that, you know, 
you're going to make an NCAA tournament run shooting as few threes as IU has the past three years is just delusional. It's just it's giving your team the 1% chance of, 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 of a miracle run. And you just have to make adjustments schematically. I think you absolutely have to. You got to go get the right guys. And you got to put them in better positions. Have we seen any evidence of anything being adjusted schematically to date? I think that's the biggest one. One of the big questions that the fan base have has, and I think it's a very fair question to date as we sit here in February of year three. Because if I'm like this, coaching staff can be like, look, look at these five games with Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Ojafino, or or the previous season TJD and X. Look, this is what we're really trying to do here, but because of injury and just this, that, the other, we haven't really had the team to make it all work. But here it is. I, I, I don't know. I. I I haven't well, seen it, and I don't. Re- I know I don't really know what I'm looking at with basketball. You know, but- I mean, yeah, you know, the, some some of the stuff. Uh, Trace's junior year, when, when they made the run in the Big Ten tournament, there, there, there's film there to show people that was some good stuff. Uh, both Purdue games last year, there were there was some good stuff. So there there are things, and again with high school kids, you're not sitting there showing them three hours of film, man, 10, 12 minutes max. Mm. Show them a vision. If you come, this is what you will do. You know, again, you know, recruiting is the attention span of teenagers and the people around them. So, like, you, you know, you don't need a, a three hour coaching clinic presentation, you know. And I know sometimes some people who have coached or whatever kind of get into like really get into the weeds and break it down. And that's great for fans who want to digest some of the nerdy stuff. But I mean, high school kids, they they, they ain't sitting through a three hour coaching clinic film session. That's just not happening. I do think the argument that the staff would make on why things haven't changed schematically would sound something like this. We were counting on Xavier Johnson to be a dynamic point guard, to push the pace and play fast pace with Khalil running with him and hitting around 40% of his threes as our point guard at a decent volume. We thought that Trey Galloway had figured something out in his shot and was going to be a more consistent three-point shooter at higher volume. He wasn't going to be a 48% shooter, but a 38% shooter taking five a game, mm-hmm. That we thought that was going to happen. We thought C.J. Gunn was going to be instant offense coming off the bench or even push Trey Galloway for his two-guard two spot because he's more dynamic defensively, he's more athletic, he's got better size, and we thought he was going to really take a step up and be a 35 to 40% three-point shooter. All three of those things did not happen. All three. Now, if any one of them didn't happen, okay, the other two can help blunt it. But all three didn't happen from the guard position. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making excuses. I'm saying that this would be the argument that if mm-hmm. I was the staff, that I think if they were being honest, that this is what they would say. And so when those three things didn't happen, and remember, those three things didn't happen immediately. Right. Like very early on in the season, it was clear that CJ Gunn was struggling. Xavier got hurt really early and Trey's shot was broken almost immediately in the season. And so once that happened, what do you do? You've got Khalil and Malik. Throw them the ball. And do we want these guys who have broken shots or no confidence or Gabe Cups who has to fill in for Xavier shooting 25 threes a game when we think they can't make any of them? No. We're going to go with our comfort food, which is Khalil, 
and Malik and McKenzie. And also, remember this. McKenzie was terrible at the beginning of the year. So there was also that. Now, now McKenzie actually started playing better quicker than I think most people realize, including us, because he had a couple games early on where it was just he was like one of eight or something. But then he kind of figured it out from a shooting standpoint, was getting offensive rebounds and putting buckets in. But a bunch of the things that they thought were going to happen did not happen from the guard position, which meant we have to rely on what we have, which is front court. That's the argument I think they would make. I'm not saying that I agree with it, but it's not totally illogical. I, I, th I think you just laid out a really, really good – that's the sales pitch you make. That is the sales pitch you make. And you you almost treat it like, okay, when you're talking to recruits or quarter players, you treat it like, hey, guys, this year was an aberration for all those things you just laid out, Eric. We were going to play one way. <clears throat> a, B, and C, and D all went wrong. Injuries and, and other struggles. Yeah, and but I also didn't we, mention Ja'Kai Newton. Right. Yeah, he's obviously injured. Um, so that's the sales pitch you make, is this year was an aberration. We had to eat off different parts of the buffet because we the, the other parts of the buffet where we wanted to eat got shut down on us. That That's the sales pitch you make. No, I, I also want to say this, real quick, Ward, before I get killed. I do want to say this. It is totally fair for people to say, why in the world would you think that Xavier would be a reliable 35-game point guard for you when he has shown lapses in judgment, injury-prone, weren't even sure that he was going to be eligible, has had issues on and off the court his entire career in college, and you put all your eggs into that basket, that's on you. Trey Galloway shot almost no threes last year, and only when he was wide open stationary from Trace Jackson Davis, who was getting double and triple teamed, so he got the best-looking shots ever. No one was game-planning for Trey Galloway. Why would you think that? And then, you know, you're relying on a freshman in, in Baco and C.J. Gunn, who hadn't shown you anything on the court yet. So I think it's totally fair for fans to be like, those were errors in judgment. That, that that you thought those things could happen. That's a totally fair argument for a fan to make, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But that's a, that's a fan conversation about this year. What you were laying out was a sales pitch to recruits. Yes. Those are the two yes. completely different conversations yes. with two completely different groups of people. Yep, fair. So sorry, Ward, go ahead. No, I mean, I guess I was leaning towards understanding the powers that be running it back for another season because i think you look at the temperature of the fan base right now which is intense <laughs> and we know that isn't just about what coach woodson has done in his time it was about coach miller before that and and all the missteps along the way where we look at these other programs that like louisville aside all these other blue bloods have been chugging right along, maybe an off season, maybe like one miss hire with like a Matt Darty, And it's like, Oh, Nope, that was the wrong one. And immediately or Billy Gillespie. Yeah. They get right back on the path within a few seasons and they're right back to where they expect to be. And, and we have not done that since letting coach Knight go um, that it's easy to be super reactive at this point. Now, do I, and I think most fans, have complete confidence? 
that this is not going to work out? Yes. Yes. I have complete confidence in that. Do I want to be wrong? A million percent. Do I take what both of you have laid out in bits and pieces and chunks over this conversation to be like, you know what? Maybe next season will be better. In fact, I kind of think it will be better. To your point, Eric, do I think it'll be good enough for me to leave, be at this point next year and being like, you know what? Yeah. We're yeah. on the right path. It's all coming together. We're on the right path. No, I no, I definitely would not bet on that. But at least the idea of waking up at the 24-25 season and being like, well, should be more fun than last season. I'm kind of feeling better about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, those are really good points, especially as far as, you know, the, the feelings of the fan base, the frustrations of the fan base. And I, I think the frustrations for some in the fan base have set in pretty deep at this point. And I don't know if a lot other than a significantly different style, significantly different roster next year. I, I don't think some people are going to significantly change their minds. Um, and, and I understand that. We've got two plus years, like you said, Eric, 54 Big Ten games. You know, it's not like this isn't a hot take conversation after no. five games, 10 games, one season. This is 54 Big Ten games. February of year three, uh, there's a lot of hay in the barn, and I think people are people are frustrated right now, and, and I get it. I just, you know, part of what we're talking about, just so people are clear, we're talking about what is the path for improvement next year? What right. are changes that could happen? Not not sitting here making any predictions, not sitting here making any promises, just sort of giving you a little bit of information, you know, behind the scenes on on what we've heard and what we know, and trying to explain a little bit, like okay. What would the sales pitch be? What? How? How would you flip the roster? Uh, so I just want to make sure people are clear on kind of like what we've been laying out here in the in the, in the, the the final third of this conversation. Rabbi brings us to the final question, which is of course, who is better, Tupac or Biggie? What are you talking about? Who's better? What are you talking about? Who's the better rapper? Biggie, all time. You- you think Biggie's you think a, no no even not even a conversation to be had? No, I I think it's a conversation. And even even though I was born on the East Coast, and like when I when I was you know younger, it was all like you know oh man we rep the East Coast man I don't care about those California guys screw that. Like later on, I actually listened to it and I'm like oh damn yeah dude's elite a legend you know it's it's like a lot of things you may think one thing but as you gather more information your opinion changes because you're actually a grown up and you can do this really interesting thing called thinking. And being rational yeah. and gathering more information. No, I, I, I don't. I, I don't like that part of adulthood. Also, I, I, I don't actually like. Somebody asked me the other day, like anybody living or dead in your lifetime, not living or dead forever, but living or dead in your lifetime. If you could pay to go to five concerts, who would they be? And Biggie and Tupac are both in my top five. I would, I would pay for both of them. What are the I other three? Would. What are the other three? I think I said Biggie, Tupac, uh, Guns N' Roses. The New York Philharmonic um, and uh, Metallica. Yeah. Dude, I, I love classical music. I absolutely love classical music. And, and Metallica. Classical, classical music played at an elite level. Like, you know, you know I remember like Joshua Bell, who's actually a, a IU adjunct professor, you know, one of the preeminent violinists in the world right now. You know, he, uh, because he's an IU adjunct professor, he usually performs in Indy once a year. And you get somebody who is that good. It's like what they can do with music. Is like they can like actually like move your soul. You know, they can inspire you. They can they can gently crescendo something. And it's like 
you feel anticipation, even though nothing's happening. A man's just standing in front of you playing the violin. But it's like classical music played at an elite level. Oh, my God. I think that's just – that is – you know I'm cheap as hell. I mean, I shop at Goodwill, but I, for, for really good music or music that I like, I think those are experiences that are that are worth your quarters. Rabbi peacocking with the fucking classical music bullshit is all time moment on this show. <laughs> I mean, what just mean? I like out here music. fucking spreading his classical music wings and trying to show how cultured he is is some bullshit. <laughs> all right, no, nobody, no, nobody said I'm cultured. I just you asked me. I like. I mean, I got season tickets to the ISO. I, 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 I like to go. Baby. I like classical music. I think I it's. I think it's very. And the other thing is, like, we live in a sports world, so it's sort of like every once in a while. I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski said this, or maybe it was. I don't know. SL Price might have said it at a writers' conference years ago. He said, "Find something that you really enjoy, to where you can take mental vacations, because if you're covering sports, you're going to be working seven days a week, a lot of weeks. So find something to where you don't actually have to get on a plane. And for me, classical music. I can run up the street to the ISO, sit there." enjoy two two and a half hours of really good music actually have to turn the phone off and then something new about rabbi every episode (laughs) all right i know that makes me real quick ward real quick five concerts living or dead in your lifetime i mean michael jackson i'm with you on that one you and i are tied on that one. prince I don't. I, I don't know if I'd put Prince there for me. I've, I've already seen Wu Tang, but it was without ODB. So mm. I think I would want full prime Wu Tang, uh, Beastie Boys. Ooh, mm. good one. Oh, um, and uh, Led Zeppelin. Wow, it's a good list. Um, can I say Elvis because you died like a month, like, like two or three weeks before I was born? Or does that not count? No, no, nah, you can't. Nah. I wish <laughs> I want that for you. I do. All right. So Michael Jackson is definitely one. Billy Joel, even though I've seen him, he's still the all time yeah, greatest. I mean, yeah, I've seen Billy Joel, too. I I, I didn't think we were playing that game. Was well, like, it living that, or dead? Living or dead? But who, that Rabbi, were you playing it where those you haven't seen? No, no, you can't. Have, you can't have seen them. Okay. I'm just saying, right. the question as it was posed was, who would you pay for? Okay. Like if it cost. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's Michael, for sure. It's um, one of TLC died, right? <laughs> <laughs> left oh Eye. Wasn't it Left Eye? <laughs> I think Left Eye died. Um, it's Michael, it's Billy, it's Bruce Springsteen, who I have never seen. Oh, I've seen Bruce. Um, yeah, so I do Bruce. Turns out I don't know that many of his songs. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's Wayne Newton and wow. me, and, me, and and Meatloaf and Meatloaf. Okay, you got to explain Wayne Newton to me because I I don't know any single Wayne Newton song. That just seems like yes you do yes you do you know Wayne Newton song. I mean he didn't write anything. Donka Shane, Donka darling, Donka Yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, great scene. I mean you yeah. know okay. you know. Okay, okay. all right, all right, okay. Those are all good lists. Prince, I'm, Prince. I, I should reconsider. Maybe I should maybe like move Metallica out. Prince in that would be the Prince, Beastie Prince Boys one be is a great call too. The Beastie that Boys were good way up there. Because when Maybe. Prince performed at the Colts Bear Super Bowl. Prince singing Purple Rain in the rain. That was pretty freaking cool. And our seats, the media seats, we were actually like uh, up top. We were outside the press box. They built like an overhang so they could have four more rows for press seating. It was regular press seating, but it was actually outside. 
So, you know, it had started to rain there, I think middle, second quarter, whatever. And like, so halftime, a bunch of people are getting up and like going to go inside. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Prince is coming. What are you doing? We're going to get to watch Prince for free. Sit your asses down. And a bunch of people got up going, we're going to go get wings. And I'm like, get wings seven days a week. This is Prince. Y'all are stupid. I remember sitting there and like one of my other friends was sitting down there and she came up and she was like, she was way excited, like super excited. She's like, isn't this awesome? And I was like, I think it's going to be awesome. And then at one point in time, she's like got her arm around me and she's like crying. I'm like, I, it ain't that cool, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, sorry. I'm, I am swapping out. I know you're just going on about Prince. This is difficult, but. You we know, also all missed one. We all missed one. Well, this I'm putting Queen in. I, I okay. might have to remove Wu-Tang because I've seen them already. Okay, but none of us put the Beatles in. No, because they were done in 1970, bud. But they, they didn't die. No, but but they, they, as a band, they did not exist in our lifetime. Rabbi, does the Beatles count since Lennon didn't die until we were all born? Yeah, and the Beatles count. I just, I would not put them in there because, I mean, I respect them. They're great. I'm not qualified to be a music critic. I'm not coming at it from a music critic standpoint. I'm just talking about like stuff that I really, really enjoy. And sometimes I just, you know, the, the, the power ballads of people like Guns N' Roses and Metallica. It's like, you know, I remember seeing Guns N' Roses in concert in St. Louis. And like when they actually, wait, wait, the one where the stage collapsed, uh, you were there. The world, the, 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 the riot, where we're yes, the, you, you were know, there, yeah, 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 I was there. They and were then I banned went to see from St. Louis because of that. <laughs> they were, they were, and because I remember we went down, and me and a buddy, we were uh, two girls were dating. We decided we're going to make a big weekend of it, and so River we Port actually went. Yeah, we we rented a limo to take us from the hotel over to the amphitheater, which was really kind of a dumb idea because we didn't really know much about the amphitheater. We're like, yeah, okay. Limo took us a couple miles. Hope the girls are impressed. It's kind of a waste of money. But anyway, yeah, I remember going. But then I saw him again later. Um, where was it? I can't remember. I remember where we were. I saw Metallica in Chicago. This is years and years ago. But anyway, just when, when, let's when the... just pause and wait till you figure it out. It's good. It's good <laughs> podcasting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let, let me just sit here and like stare at the screen for a minute while people go, "What the hell?" Anyway, all right. There you go. There you go. I think. I'm going to take Wayne Newton out and put the Beatles in. I know that's controversial. I, I don't think you get the Beatles. The Beatles were done in 1970. You could go see Paul McCartney like I did. You could go see Paul McCartney, and he sings a bunch of Beatles songs, but you you can't. The Beatles did not exist as a band in our lifetime. It's out. There we go. I'm not sure I agree with Ward on this one. <laughs> All right, Rabbi. Well, thank you for the insight. Thank you for sharing a little bit more about you just peeling the Rabbi onion back. And we got another layer today on the New York Philharmonic and his love of classical music. Have him say this sometimes. Why? Yeah. So, Rabbi, we're going to have you. I ain't doing this. Yes. We're doing it right now. Okay. Okay. All right. So follow us on Twitter. What? What? No, go ahead. Go ahead. We're going to do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> I, I screwed it up last time. I'm going to screw gonna it up do again. It this time. You're going to do it this time. It's going to be great. Follow okay, us on Twitter. At Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. But sometimes the Y. 
What is it again? I forget what it is. What's it supposed Even to be? Even when we remember, we can't get it right. <laughs> you got it. I feel like somebody looking at a producer going, give me my line. What's yeah. my line? But the sometimes why. But the sometimes why. It's, four, it. it's four words. It's he, just just, four words. he just turned a couple inside out. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. But the sometimes why. Mm. Success. Yes. All right. That's a. That's a that's Bob Knight. That's a, that's an Emmy winner right there, Eric. That's a that's a goddamn hell of a close. That's how we're gonna win the Emmy. That's it right there. Matt, <laughs> thanks for everything, buddy. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate with it. Be Enjoyed good. it. Take care, guys. Bye. That was a guest. That was a guest. Well, I can't say I'm more optimistic. I can't say I'm more pessimistic. Uh, I'm just kind of what I walked in with, you know, there's just a bit of a malaise over the program right now and a lot of wait and see. You mean our program, our podcast program, there is a bit of a malaise. (laughs) They mirror each other. (laughs) They do. They're both at a low point. Um, no, we look, we're just going to have to wait and see and hope we, we, we strike it rich in the transfer portal gold rush. Like that's what we're going to have to do. And, uh, I'm still rooting for us to finish these six games with a six and zero record. Uh, I know we won't. <laughs> Do you think I, we're going to beat Nebraska? I don't know. I mean, out of these last six games, I bet we'll win like we're two. Gonna, you think we're going to go two and four? Probably. Let's make a bet. Let's make a bet between I, you and me. Something has to happen. Oh, uh, okay. What if if we go two and four? What do you want my punishment to be? I get a like, I get to take a wooden spoon and spank your bare ass. No. <laughs> what the fuck? God damn it. Just turned into jackass. All right. Let's just get the hell out of here. I agree. But we already did the Twitter thing. I know. That's why that's why I stopped recording after Rabbi hung up. I thought we were done. But then you're oh, we're still going. I hit record. Well, you could we could this is meaningless. We could end it after Rabbi. Isn't it all kind of meaningless? <laughs> From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.